and welcome to the best thing you'll do your piss baby paltry existences where you won't amount to anything and nobody will love you except us and even then eh? (laughs) (laughs) that's the best it gets kids yeah that's the best the intro gets for today welcome to story lord i might might become something someday (laughs) (laughs) shut your piss baby mouth (laughs) Welcome to Story Lords, the a fiction podcast with well, how many prompts do we have? Two prompts, three <laughs> stories, and infinite laughs. You said I'm this rich. at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm Rich Masters, and with me, as always, is Josh Henderson, sup, and Jeff Pennington. <laughs> Yo, damn, cooler than mine. <laughs> it's all, all, we're, the we're all sleepy. Is all every one of us is tired today. Depressed. Tired. Yep. We've all had shitty yeah. weeks, which we, we said last week. We all exchanged extremely sad stories before we started. Pop recording. up, shit the car. Pop up, <laughs> shit the car. Pop pop. Did he brought an extra diaper? It's fine. It's in yep. a fucking like IGA bag. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, "What is this bag?" He's like, "That's my extra shitty diaper bag." And I was like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go straight to the suicide booth." <laughs> And then I just like let go of the wheel, and I just like let the car drift slightly toward a phone pole. Uh, today's episode is <laughs> is brought to you uh, by Citalopram. Uh, <laughs> brought to you by Zoloft. Uh, this episode, our prompts were <laughs> blood and festivals, which is yeah. Only slightly spookier than some of the stories we told each other before recording. Uh, this week, Josh is going first. Boo! Yay! Yay! Save, <laughs> save. Yeah, what you talk about? It's easier to go first because then you save your yeah, voice. Yeah, but right? I don't know. My, you know, I, I was, I was watching the Eagles last night. The, my whole week has sucked. So I, this story probably fucking sucks. Look, Nick. this better be good. <laughs> he says that every time. And it if, doesn't make me feel better. If they turn the show off in the middle of your story, nobody gets to hear our stories. Yes. Yeah, Damn true. it. I never thought about it like that. Damn it. I was joking. I didn't mean to put that in your head for real. <laughs> now I'm going to be fucked up forever, you piss baby bitch. Look, as we've learned from Reddit, if someone doesn't like your story, they will just skip to the next one. It's yeah, fine. They should because they're not listening to it on a fucking eight track. Like, skip ahead, buttheads. Yeah. Yeah, and don't even mention that you don't want to listen to it. Just, just skip just it and keep that to yourself. Keep send it to yourself it to at uh, <laughs> richmasters <laughs> at gmail dot com. <laughs> That's nearly my email address. Um, yeah. So, yeah. all right, laughing boy, make us laugh. All right, I'll do your little dance for you. Here you go. My dance story. monkey dance. My say yeah. <laughs> My story this week is called Cocky Horner All Cocky Horny All Sea Ball Show. <laughs> like Rocky Harp. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Winner. <laughs> We're off to a really good start. Oh, I oh I got the joke. I'm not laughing, but I got it. <laughs> Boris gripped Princess Tomestool, the talking magical book that is totally real, as branches whipped at his face and dick. He was I running forgot so- that was the name of the book. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Oh, just you wait. He was running so fast, even his vampiric heart was beating out of his chest. Behind them, he could hear the claws of a menace tearing through the tr- trees and bushes. 
the thuds of its giant feet smashing into the ground as this massive stride got closer and closer to Boris and Tombstool. Use those little chicken legs and run! Screamed Tombstool to the vampire. What do you think I'm doing here, you legless talking book of fart jokes? Boris screamed back. Behind them, the behemoth roared. Boris thought about looking back to see what they were being chased by, but a prickle on the back of his neck just above his spine froze his gaze forward. Up ahead, he could see a large hollowed-out stump from an ancient tree the size of your mama's ancient crotch chasm. <laughs> a real grand cumion. <laughs> <laughs> In there, Tomstool yelled. Shut up, book! Shh! Boris shushed as he wrapped his arms around Tomstool, both to secure them from sight and to shut her up. <laughs> Boris sat in a fetal position and tried to catch his breath. Whatever was chasing them was fast enough and big enough to chase down a vampling. Boris quieted his breath and peered out of a knot hole in the stump. The only thing he could hear was the raindrops patting against the leaves above. He focused on the knot hole when suddenly, bah! he shouted. <laughs> One giant yellowed and bloodshot eye peered into the hole as its pupil irised wide, adjusting to, the, adjusting to the light. What the fucking dick hole is that? Boris said to himself. <laughs> As he looked back, the knot. As he looked back to the knot, the eye vanished from sight, and all was quiet. Did it? Did it go away? <laughs> Tom still asked hopefully. Tate Maple want Peter back. Oh, oh no! Yelled the monster as it roared with the rage of a thousand cut-off boners, <laughs> 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 raising a giant wooden mitt. Tate Maple used. Uh, Tate Maple, the cursed ancient treant, raised a hand and began to uh, pound away at the fragile wood wall separating Boris and Tomstool from Tate Maple's dickless rage. <laughs> Only about six inches of soggy rotten oak between them and certain death. Crash! Smash! Smash! Tate Maple's fist slammed against the wood, slowly breaking away the barrier until he could get a single spindly branch of a finger through. Boris covered his face as Tate Maple plunged his finger in and out of the stump's vagina. I mean, not whole. <laughs> <laughs> Twigs whipped at Boris's face, cutting him. Mm, Tate Maple said as he began to really enjoy fingering the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Tate Maple likes sexy tree hole. Oh, gods, no! <laughs> As Tate Maple began to really get into fingering this tree stump. It not the size of tool, it what you could do with tool. <laughs> he roared as he deftly pleasured the stump and himself with all the sick perversion you come to expect from an ancient tree whose tree dick was cut off like a thousand episodes ago. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> oh yeah, baby, give it to Maple Daddy. <laughs> Tate Maple. <laughs> Who wrote this? This, this is, is slowly becoming a show where we write pornography. <laughs> slowly. slowly. <laughs> Dude, I'm going fingers deep on this thing. <laughs> this is the worst episode I've ever been in. Said as he covered his eyes. <laughs> Suddenly, Tate Maple let Same. a roar. <laughs> 
advice. Suddenly, Tate Maple let out a roar as gallons and gallons of maple syrup shot from his branches into the stump. Somewhere up the up in the trees, a merc monk was working on a model acorn inside of a slightly larger acorn when he heard the roar. Tying his bathrobe around his waist and putting on his readers, he burst out of the front door of his treehouse and began to yell, Hey! He began to scold upon... But upon seeing the absolute degeneracy of the situation below, he quickly turned around. Nope, he said as he went back inside and locked his little wooden tree door behind him. Tate Maple's rage had come, I spelled that C-U-M, to nice. a halt. It's, yeah, it's a visual joke on an audio show. <laughs> had come to a halt as he lay back down next to his stumply date and began to snore the snore of a thousand jizzes. P. Very quiet, Porus said to Tombstool. Okay, she yelled back in acknowledgement. Boris quietly tiptoed around Taint Maple's wither- withered and dried branches. As he was sure the behemoth's refractory period could be up at any moment and did not want to be around for round two, finger-licking boogaloo. <laughs> More nice. like tree factory period. Damn. Well, everybody, Rich will be reading his story next. I have conceded. Damn, straight up skipped over me to Rich on that one. That was a good-ass joke. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. That's how the British did it. That's how Rich does it. Stealing your art and your jokes. Damn. Rich has colonized my part of the podcast. (laughs) It is now called the Richie Sippy Tea Hour. Anyway... Look at that, Boris said, pointing into the stormy night. A castle. Maybe they have some towels we can use to wash off all this shame. (laughs) Where did that fucking castle even come from? I didn't see it before, Tombstool said, with suspicion dripping from her voice. Right now, I don't care. We need to find the wizard and get you into safe hands. Axe wound can't find you. Yeah, but this place looks like the red light district in Grawl fucked the Grand Canyon. <laughs> the Grand Canyon's a real place, it turns out. Tom <laughs> still said as she looked over at the castle. Along its turrets, red lanterns and red magical flames burned through the night. Inside, the muted tomes of a thumping party could be barely heard. They're having a party. Maybe we could get some food, too, Boris said, carrying Tombstool up to the door. Boris tried to clean the syrup off of himself to look presentable as he used uh, giant knockers, which were in the shape of Triple H hangers. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. A tiny little slit opened at crotch level after a moment. <laughs> oh, my, a voice said on the other side of the door. <laughs> Hearing this, Boris knelt down. Hey, you little butler man. We need some hospitality for the night. Could you let us in? Boris asked politely. Of course, <laughs> Mr. Bloodsuck. We've been expecting you. Whoa. Oh, no. The little man said as he giggled. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you know who I am? Boris asked. Oh, yes, sir. The little man replied. <laughs> oh, I see you brought your own literature. I hope it's got pictures of wieners in it. (laughs) (laughs) He said as he shut the little glory hole peephole. Oh no, Josh (laughs) finally did a (laughs) self-insert. His name was Josh. (laughs) Josh. (laughs) 
With that, the door opened to reveal an opulent <laughs> castle decked out with red carpeting with huge red curtains covering the windows. Right this way. <laughs> Giggled the tiny gnome butler as he appeared from nowhere behind Boris. Holy Lord Christ, Boris said with a start. <laughs> the butler motioned for Boris to follow as he swung open two huge doors into a parlor. Orc Inside. Christ is a genius joke, by the way. <laughs> Orcrist? Orc Christ? Yeah. You got it. You got Fucking it. Fucking genius. You got it. I knew somebody would get it. <laughs> Inside, there were dozens, if not a hundred, scantily clad partygoers who were all wearing eyes wide shut masquerade masks. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. Bloodsuck, a booming and menacing voice said from atop a golden throne. Hello, Mr. Boris searched for a name. You can call me Lord Drankula, he said as he <laughs> sipped. He said as he sipped red wine from a goblet made out of a human skull. It was metal as fuck. That's metal as fuck, Toastal <laughs> said quietly. <laughs> Why don't we give our special guest the hospitality and Warmth that we vampires are known to give, Trancula said, as if honey itself were pouring from his lips. Or maybe maple syrup? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if you insist, Boris began to say modestly, not you, little vampling, your little folioed friend, Trancula extended a pointy ancient finger at Tombstool. Tomstool said, almost <laughs> pissing her pages. Pissing her pages. And you, little vampling, the Dark Lord said, swirling his wine in his emaciated hand. What will we do with you? With a single snap of his old-ass bony gross fingers, the entire room of vampires descended on Boris. Ah, what the fuck? Meanwhile, at Flamingo HQ. Hey. Yeah. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows you're lame. Fred belted out as he wiped down the bar. <laughs> remember that from the other episode? I remember. Yeah, I remember. We remember. Okay. Good. <laughs> Keep up. Sid sat at the end of the bar, nursing a mug of mead while Chickpea was reading a fashion scroll. Oh boy, assless, assless chainmail is back in season, she said to nobody in particular as she licked her finger and turned the scroll page. What? <laughs> Suddenly, a golden light appeared on the bar where Fred was wiping. In its place was a single letter, folded neatly with blood, uh, folded neatly and with blood writing scrawled onto it. Peppercorn, your Play Arc magazine is here. <laughs> Chickpea yelled over her shoulder. Fred draped the rag over his huge, manly shoulders and picked up the letter carefully. Not to uh, rip it with his big manly hands that I wish he'd used to rip open my anal virginity away from me. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. Fred began to read. My dearest flamingos, it is I, Boris. I have been captured by my kin and require rescue. I know you guys don't owe me anything, but I remember. <laughs> but remember that time we hung out in my cave? <laughs> I thought we had some chemistry. Anyway, this letter is magic and can teleport you to me. The castle is guarded by like a hundred vampires and there's a magical barrier protecting it. But I assure you, Princess Tombstool and I are indeed in this castle. Your friend, uh... Boris Bloodsuck. <laughs> I get who it. The f 
Who the fuck is Boris Bloodsuck? Fred said after a beat. <laughs> Sid sighed and rubbed his temples. He's that vampire we adopted like five episodes ago? I don't fucking know. Chickpea slid over to the seat in front of Fred and snatched the letter out from his mitts. Uh, she turned over the letter and sniffed it. Lilac and maple syrup. <laughs> Opening the letter, she saw that the letter was written on the on the back of an already printed piece of paper. Looks like it's from a tome, she said. She then waved her hand and used, a ma- used detect magic. Suddenly, a glowing purple orb appeared. <laughs> yep. This shit's magic, it said matter-of-factly, and then disappeared. <laughs> I think I can, like, backtrace the magical essence on this page and, like, use it to create a portal into this castle and junk, Chickpea said scientifically. It'll be, like, really <laughs> unstable, but, like, whatever, I'm up for it if you are. Sid sighed a long sigh, but something in the back of his mind told him he was somewhat responsible for this vampire hobo. <laughs> if anything, he could do good by him, unlike how he did, unlike how he handled Gunk. Mm-hmm. Fine, let's go, he said, slamming his fist down. You in, Fredo? Pass, Fred said matter-of-factly as he opened up the centerfold of Play York magazine. <laughs> hey, did somebody say my Play York was here? Peppercorn burst into the bar. Fred slyly slipped the magazine down below the bar. Nope, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Sid and Chickpea appeared in a larder surrounded by porks and meats and like cheese wheels and shit. Man, this place is like a hobbit's wet dream, Chickpea <laughs> said, looking around. She moved over to an icy cold box and opened it. Inside were jars and jars of red liquid. That's a lot of Kool-Aid, she said, grabbing a <laughs> bottle. <laughs> Don't think that's Kool-Aid, CP, Sid said, peering around the corner stealthily. Chickpea wiped the juice from her <laughs> mouth under her sleeve. Salty, she said as her face curled up. <laughs> Shh, Sid said as he ducked down. Chickpea followed suit and used her staff to pull vault over the counter to Sid's location. Uh, who's talking now? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, got it, got it. Oh, I thought that was in the story. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, <serious."> no. <laughs> you never know, you never know. Uh yeah, so I looked the look at that book, and there wasn't even any peeners or boobs in it," said a dapper-looking vampire lord. <laughs> "No way, that's like the best kind of book there is," said another vampling. "That's what I said," said the first vampire. <laughs> Without hesitation, Sid held up socks in sword form and pressed ever so gently against the vampire's throat. "Shh," he said. Chickpea reached into her satchel and used some magical dust. Uh, to pocket sand the other pimp. <laughs> he went to yell for help but couldn't make a sound as his lips began to melt together until his mouth altogether disappeared like that one scene in The Matrix. I was already picturing it. Yeah. That's good storytelling. Already there. Yep. yep. <laughs> Boris, bloodsuck, Sid simply said. The vampire slowly raised his finger and pointed down the hallway they had just come from. Sid simply nodded and then cut the vampire's arms and legs off Anakin style. Vampling, <laughs> vampling mumbled and stumbled around the larder at the sight of his friend, newfound friend status as a motionless sex doll. <laughs> well, guess I'm not getting my dick sucked tonight, he said as he lay bleeding. <laughs> the other mumbled through his closed mouth. 
Meanwhile, in the parlor, the vampire orgy was in full swing. Everyone was drinking Kool-Aid, and they had their weird <laughs> red ring around their mouth that all the gross kids had in elementary school They had, after they drank Kool-Aid or ate a fruit roll-up. <laughs> My lord. I don't remember the voice I did. My lord, said the butler. No. Maybe we should call the queen and give her the tome. After all, she would be ever so grateful for our assistance. And maybe she'd enjoy the orgy. I hear she has some dope double Ds. Nonsense, <laughs> Frank. The said Dracula. Frank? <laughs> I see no reason to interrupt Bloodfest 6969, baby, baby. <laughs> He shouted as the crowd of orgy-goers yeah. shouted and cummed in approval. <laughs> <laughs> but my lord, Frank continued, Frank, if you don't go down there and either get your peener sucked or start sucking a butt, I'm going to call it a party foul. And you know what that means, Strankula scolded. Oh, no, please, my lord. I promise I'll shut up. Anything but Edward Forty Hands. I can't do it again. <laughs> and pissing? It's not impossible to hold my tiny flaccid donger when I have two steins of blood taped to my tiny gnome boy hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sid and Chickpea slid their way through the castle very quietly. They soon found a door which led down to a dungeon. Sid peeked around the corner and quickly ducked back. One guard, he said. Can you turn him in can you turn us invisible or something? Nah, they'll like see through that, Chickpea <laughs> replied. Okay, well, maybe we can like bluff our way in, say we're vampires. Nah, they like know their own kind. It's like Highlander rules for them, Chickpea said, <laughs> popping up, popping in some bubble gum into her mouth. Mew, Sock said as he transformed back into a cat. Mew, mew. Sid just looked at Chickpea and shrugged. Before they knew it, Sox was already stealthily prancing toward the guard. What? What is he, like, doing? Chickpea said, blowing a bubble. <laughs> Did you hear that? Said the vampire guard, looking down at his crotch. That's nothing, baby. Let Spike Sourpuss take care of you, <laughs> said a tiny fairy, just going to town on the vampire's 12-foot scale-to-scale donger. <laughs> Socks crept behind the guard and slowly raised himself up behind him. He reached out with his two little stick arms and grabbed around the, grabbed around the guard's chin. Shh. Mew, 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 he said as he used his cutie paws to snap the guard's neck in clean. It flopped down into his lap and nearly hit the fairy. Hmm, she said as she put her hands in her hips and flew away. That works, Chickpea said, amazed. They burst into the jail cell and saw Boris chained to a giant red crystal. Uh, trapped inside of a magical Faraday cage of red light was a book. Please, Boris pleaded. Please get the princess out of here. Calm down. Oh, calm down, your majesty, Sid said sarcastically. No, you must. Boris choked painfully on his words, trying desperately to explain the situation in as little time as possible. Hey, big guy, Chickpea said. Hey, big guy, Chickpea said, looking upward. What does that look like to you? Sid glanced up and he saw the cell that they were in was equipped with a giant glass magnifier. All around them were mirrors. We have to get the hell out of here, Sid said super seriously. And miss the party of the century, oh, no. Dracula yelled oh, no. flamboyantly. Oh, no. <laughs> 
All the candles in the room extinguished at once as Dracula entered the jail. Behind him, a hundred red eyes glowed in the dark hallway. Mm, <laughs> said the vampire with no mouth. Sid quickly unchained Boris, who was too weak to stand. He collapsed in a heap into Sid's arms. Chickpea readied her staff as it glowed with purple fury. Please, Dracula said as he waved his hand. In an instant, the cell doors closed and locked themselves. The bars briefly glowed red as a spell was placed on them. Chickpea fired a bolt at the bars to only have the bolt ricochet off of them and ping around the room a few times, causing our heroes to duck and curse. The princess, Boris groaned. <laughs> this dude had one hell of a torture party, Chickpea said. <laughs> but she noticed Boris pouring t- pointing to the book in the cage. Wait, she said. I think this dude wants us to, like, fuck... Th- I think this dude wants to fuck this book or something hot. <laughs> or something hot. <laughs> Forrest used his remaining strength to pull himself up to the magical barrier and stick his hand through. As he did, the pale flesh on his right arm began to boil away. He groaned as he willed his arm to reach further into the cage. Sid crinkles his- crinkled his nose as Chickpea sp- said, Smells like Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> Boris screamed once more as he grabbed a hold of the tome and yanked it out of the field. Do you know what happens to a daywalker during a double eclipse? Dracula said (laughs) as he rolled a single cigarello. Well, he said, shrugging, I guess you'll soon find out. (laughs) With that, chains and gears began to clatter to life inside of the cell. Above them, a moon door opened to reveal a double red eclipse of Theranos' two moons. As the light from the moons hit the magnifier, a white-hot laser beam of moonfire shot down into the crystal as it refracted laser beams all around the cell. Sid and Chickpea ducked as Chickpea managed to create a shield blocking a few of the moonfire beams. Boris, <laughs> Tumstool said in the daze, you have to let me go. No, Boris yelled. You, you can get us out of here. I won't, I won't let you burn up here. Put me on the crystal, she shouted over the sound of white, hot, crackling air. She managed to hop out of Boris's grasp and fling herself onto the red gem. Her pages sizzled and charred around the edges as, as the light of the magnified moons was just enough to penetrate her ancient protective magics. No, Boris yelled as he too flung himself against the gem, managing to grab the princess and peel her off of the gem's now glowing red surface. As he did, his flesh began to again boil. Pustules of blood and gore began to erupt all over his extremities. Use the book, he groaned as he held Tomstool out away from the beams. Now, shouted Dracula as he removed the magical protections from the cell locks. Chickpea, all at once understanding, placed her own protections on the inside of the cell locks. Classic wizard door fight, she said with a smile. As each used their magics to try and unlock the door to the cell, Sid ducked and another bolt. Uh, Sid ducked another bolt and looked over to Boris, who was now more than halfway vaporized. The book, he said with his last breath, his bones and flesh turning to dust. His remaining hand that had been calcified in the Faraday cage still held onto the princess. The remaining power in the tome began to falter as the heat. And light bleached the tome's hard cover and burned away almost every page. Finally, the charred book dropped onto the floor as a single page floated down gracefully like a feather into Sid's hands. 
CP! He yelled. Chickpea spun her staff around and used her magic to open the portal uh, Open the portal with the remaining page of the tome. As the portal opened to Grawl, Sid glared at Drancula. Suck on this, he said. Ah, <laughs> oh, I wanted to do the... Ah, <laughs> oh, I wanted to do the catchphrase, Chickpea said. <laughs> As she slammed her staff down, sending a bolt of powerful energy back at the crystal. As they walked through the portal... It souped closed. The crystal was the crystal was now overcharged with moonlight and mage magic. No, no, Dracula said as a thermonuclear heated blast erupted from the gem and disintegrated every vi- vampire in the castle. The castle itself crumbled, and explosions were heard across the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> dust to dust, <laughs> motherfucker! Frank the Butler said as his face liquefied and then blew off his skull like in Terminator Two. <laughs> okay, now we understand why you were laughing. <laughs> the next morning, what the absolute fuck happened here? Ugla said as she and Demi kicked over the rubble of what was once a castle. Mew, Buffcat said as he held up a charred skull with fangs. It disintegrated in the air as he wiped the ash from his paws. Looks like a tree fucked a stump and blue maple <laughs> jizz all up over the place, Debbie said as she was doing a balancing act on an ancient tree stump. Smells like lilac and maple syrup, and she sniffed and was immediately hit with a familiar scent. Troll spice, she said <laughs> under her breath. <laughs> Demi was now digging through the rubble. As she did, she picked up a burnt cover of an ancient tome. Come on, Demi, we have to get the Grawl, Ugla said, shooing her away from the rubble. Demi began to put the tome down, but hesitated. She looked at its golden inlays. It was as if it was speaking to her. She deftly placed the tome into her satchel next to Jelly. Now don't eat that Jelly, she said, (laughs) smiling at the baby cube. (laughs) Demi, where are you? Squib yelled from the distance. Coming, she said as she ran. The end. Boris is dead? I'm so sad that Boris is dead. He had to go. He did. Did he? (laughs) He did. He did, kind of. He wasn't built for this. He wasn't built for this. He wasn't. He was built built for being a one off joke character. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He got five episodes or something. (laughs) He was great, though. Rest in peace. The, The plot is plotting. And I am ready for this shit. I'm ready to find out what the fuck <laughs> yeah. is going on. Are they in different time zones or something? Oh, I don't know. Are they? I don't know. The two groups. I then felt like one of those things when people talk about my stories and they're like, oh, is it like this? And I'm instead of saying no, which is the answer, I just went, I don't know, maybe it is. I don't know, I don't know maybe. Oh, man. Yep. That was great. Well, they, I love that. Thank you. We I can't keep... believe Boris is dead, yeah, but I'll forget about him I next can't. episode. <laughs> <laughs> so will I, Jeff. <laughs> when you bring him back, you'll have definitely forgotten about him. I'm going to look at my notes and be like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, also, Taint Maple Man. Taint, Taint Maple just runs around for thousands of years. Is he like a cryptid? Yeah, he just runs. Yeah, cool. he just. 
He just like everyone sees him now and then, and they're like, "That's not a thing." What are you talking about? Why is he so angry about getting one limb dick cut off if he's still <laughs> capable of jizzing out of his other limb dicks? Life finds a way, Jeff. <laughs> Put that on the wiki, everybody. That's the reason. <laughs> I mean, did you see what happened to his yeah. dick? Look, I had to live through, through it, it secondhand. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That was like episode two, wasn't it? it? Or episode yeah, three? Yeah, it was. It was like two or three. <laughs> that was the. It's been like. That was a horrifying episode, that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that one either, and I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> People have been waiting for the return of Taint Maple. Yeah. Well. He's like just like the rat with a gun or a merc monk. He'll just like show up. Uh, I hope this uh, isn't going to continue through the episode of us having terrible weeks and then resulting in us killing beloved characters. Uh oh! Uh oh! <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um. Yeah, that was great, dude. That was good. Oh wow! Thank I you. guess technically no. Well, well, you'll see. You'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll also <laughs> see when I read. Uh, on a completely unrelated note, uh, that was great. I loved that one. I did I'm too. Always up for more chickpea. Yeah, chickpea rule. Yeah. I love writing chickpea because she don't give a fuck. Yeah, classic wizard door battle. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> When they're trying to shut the door. That is a huge part of that movie. Yeah. And there's like... Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? No special effects at all. Just two dudes groaning. Look, special effects cost money. Yeah. 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 The two dudes groaning cost less money. They had to pay for Grace Jones's uh, therapy. So... <laughs> what? What did she, she need therapy for? She's clearly mad. She's clearly mad. Oh, 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 she's playing she, in that job. Yeah, but she was clearly mad in real life as well. Well, in real life, she was on every type of drug known to me. Yeah. Mostly mostly cocaine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> she fucked so much that Dolph Lundgren had to be like, look, I gotta tag out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're fucking wearing out Dolph Lundgren, who's like literally doing cocaine and steroids yes. at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's the real reason Dolph Lundgren speaks so slowly now. Because he was just so worn out. He's still he's like, tired. He's like, I don't have the power. <laughs> she will break me. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's all the Dolph Lundgren quotes we have on this show. Uh, that's all the I think it's time to take a break. So we'll be back for part two right after this. Gang, hope you're doing well. Don't really care. Wow. Jesus. Uh, I'm sure you're talk doing about well. it. You're probably at work. I'm sorry about that. Ew. There's at least one person doing yard work to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he does it every time we record, because he's like, they keep mentioning me. <laughs> time to get out the gas leaf blower and fuck up this podcast. Um, we're back for part two. 
What we really need after that tale of Boris dying is just an uplifting, joyous oh. story uh, <laughs> about love and understanding. Well, this is technically about love. Oh, well, then let's head over to Spooky Vision. The t- <laughs> Turn the channel. <laughs> the title of my story is The Waking Dream. That's spooky. The pounding of shoes against the wet cobblestone echoed against the brickstone walls all around, but they never slowed down. It was dark, painfully dark, and squinting through it made no difference. There was absolutely no way to see what was ahead. But there was a cold, overwhelming certainty of what was behind. A thing that moved almost like a man, but its humanity was betrayed by what lived inside of it. A hunger like a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A hungry, vicious thing that reached and clawed, always a hair's breadth from taking its horrid prize, until those shoes fell out from under and the ground came up all at once, and the thing finally caught up. Ah! TK screamed as she lunged up out of her bed, flinging her covers and her prized Donald Duck plushie across the room like a spring-loaded trap. Cold sweat poured down her face as she inhaled staccato breaths, her throat burning with each one. Donald Duck glared at her from the floor with an unblinking rage for the slight, but he was kind of always like that if you watched the cartoon, so it was whatever. (laughs) She calmed herself by looking over and seeing her own reflection staring back at her from the tall mirror on her closet door. She, She was who she'd always been, not a faceless person being stalked in the night by a bagul but just TK. <laughs> her full name was Teresa Konzaki, which she'd always thought was kind of la- kind of a lame name, so she was overjoyed when some dumb redneck boy at her school said her weirdo Asian name was too hard to pronounce <laughs> and had redubbed her TK instead. She didn't yes, even bother... Point- Teresa, the Asianist of names. She didn't even bother <laughs> pointing out that Teresa was a fucking English name just like his and that he and his greasy, greasy grandma probably had to repeat the third grade together next year. His entire family line was so goddamn stupid. <laughs> fucking oval, that family tree. She had finally stopped feeling the lingering, distant, and hazy fear of her nightmare long enough by this point to glance down at the hot red backlit alarm clock next to her bed that read 8 a.m in static numerals. Oh, dicks! Oh, no! Oh, butt fuck! <laughs> TK leapt out of bed and ran as fast as she could through her entire morning routine, brushing out her black bob haircut to look halfway presentable, throwing on her standard, slightly out-of-date fall look, complete with a dark top, pleated skirt, dark leggings, high boots, a cardigan pullover, and a big fluffy scarf. And if I called any of that stuff by the wrong name, or you don't think I know women's fashion like I know I do, you could send any notes you may have to brosbeforeprosepod at gmail.com. We definitely check that, and I'll for sure take all your tips to heart. If it sounds like Jeff is reading this sarcastically, he's totally not. Send him on in. I believe it. I, I believe, believe the too. narrator. I'm going to send an email right now. She's gonna... Dear Jeff, what is a pencil skirt? <laughs> She's going to kill me. She stood a moment to pause and look at herself in the mirror again. The makeup she'd hurriedly applied looked good. Years of perpetually running late to everything, having trained her in speed and precision. But she couldn't cover up the bags under her eyes or the worry on her face. It took her another 15 minutes to bike across town in morning traffic to make it to Dos Chicas Flower Shop a small quaint boutique on the quarter of 7th Avenue in Kirby, Connecticut. 
She pulled her bike around the street and up the back alley, trying and fumbling to chain it to the old meter pipe for the building's water pressure before she lost any more time. Four minutes, 13 seconds later, she jogged through the front door, (laughs) the little bell over it letting out a wee little tinkle that sent a deep shiver down her back. Her late arrival was announced. Damn. You're like a half hour late, TK, came the familiar monotone voice from the back of the shop. Out from the back room, carrying a large ficus and a planter, was the most beautiful woman TK had ever laid eyes upon, Alyssa Madero. She was tall and thin, but with the really strong shoulders that were wreathed in her flowing chestnut brown hair. Her face was angelic, even with the too dark, thick eye makeup that TK could never pull off. Somehow she looked perfect with it. She was also dressed kind of like a biker in a post-apocalypse movie, which for some yeah. reason really did it for TK. I'm getting hard Carlac vibes. <laughs> 80s movies kind of really fuck us all up, huh? If it isn't childhood trauma about horses and swamps, it's inexplicable boners <laughs> about bad guys we were supposed to find off-putting. <laughs> um, well, I can explain. You haven't even let me explain yet, TK said with her eyes quickly darting around for some kind of explanation. Just just give me a second to explain. Sheesh. Alyssa set, fi- set the ficus down by the front door and turned and stared silently at TK, her hands on her hips. I, uh... TK's shoulders fell. I overslept. TK. Alyssa started judgment in her voice causing TK to throw her hands up and hurriedly scurry across the room to the front counter to pick up her apron as if nothing had happened. This didn't deter Alyssa from continuing to judge, though. You're not an employee here. We own this place together. When we signed the lease for the building, you promised you'd put in just as much work as I did to get this business running. And yet you're the last one here every morning and the first one out at night. Damn. TK rubbed at the back of her neck for a moment, looking at the ground. TV has gotten crazy good lately. <laughs> Alyssa, now I know this bullshit. Alyssa just stared blankly, then shook her head, placing a small slip of paper on the counter in front of TK. What's this? She asked in response, looking it over uh, with her head tilted to the side to read it upside down. Mr. Real Name needs a blood orchid delivered to the object for sale store on 12th Street by 11 a.m., <laughs> Alyssa said matter-of-factly, crossing her arms and shifting her weight to one leg. If I didn't know those were real places, I'd be sure you were fucking with me, TK rebutted with a smirk. <laughs> Alyssa did not react, but continued. Remy went out for delivery around 8.01, since he was on time. But he hasn't come back yet. Mm. Oh come on, you can't compare me to Remy. He's never even seen a boob. What does he have to live for outside of work? TK pouted. <laughs> Remy. Picking up the delivery notice and shoving it into her cardigan pullover side pocket. Just deliver the damn orchid, TK. Please, just pretend like you actually care about this flower shop with me for once, okay? (laughs) Alyssa said with exasperation in her voice. TK felt the words sink deep into her heart and a familiar ache awaken in her chest. She lost her flippant attitude almost immediately. Hey, Alyssa, you know I care about this shop, right? I'm kind of flaky with time, but I'd do anything to keep us afloat. This is my livelihood, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Alyssa said in a completely non-committal tone, like when your dad says he loves you. (laughs) What? (laughs) When When did that ever happen? TK paused for a second and sat in the awkward moment, desperately trying to figure out what to say next, but settling on, 
Alrighty, well, I'll be back in a few. <laughs> Before she headed for the front door, the blood orchid in its pot all wrapped up, tucked under her arm. Hey, TK, wait, Alyssa called after her, causing her to turn around. Be careful out there, okay? The police haven't said that that woman who disappeared across town was a murderer or not, but I don't want you disappearing the same way, you know? Mm. Man, this town's getting kind of nuts lately, isn't it? TK observed while tilting her head for more remembering power or whatever the fuck reason we all do that for. (laughs) That lady goes missing like into thin air and none of her family knows anything about it one day and then the next, some kids ride their bikes off into nowhere and the cops shut down the entire road to the next town. No one in or out. Damn. Thank you for the exposition, Alyssa said to me, Jeff, the writer, but also to TK. <laughs> smirking a little for the first time today. TK felt an old jolt in her body, a sudden impetus to make a move she hadn't dared try for a long while now. Hey, um... She paused, the actual movement suddenly making it far more difficult to continue, as if the reality of the situation set in too quick. But it was too late now. She had to power through. Maybe, um... After work tonight, would you like to go to Goonies Bar and get a couple drinks? The uh, uh, the big gooner is half off on weekdays for alcoholics only. <laughs> What's the big gooner? I uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Alyssa returned awkwardly, her smirk now completely wiped from her face. We tried that once before, remember? For four years. It didn't work out so great. Let's be professionals now, like we have been since the... Um, the, the, uh, well, you know. Spontaneous okay? fucking. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right, of course. Sorry. TK hurried as fast as she could out the front door. The tinkling of the bell over it, a gentle reminder of her place now. Business partner. Alyssa stood and watched, rubbing her arm and trying not to let old feelings cloud her judgment. TK pedaled as hard as she could to try and get away from Dos Chica's flower shop, feeling much more like Una Chica than she ever felt like Dos at the moment. (laughs) Honestly, maybe she felt more like Zero Chica's, or whatever Zero was in Spanish. Was it Cero? That didn't sound right. Maybe her inability to learn Spanish had cost her Alyssa's heart, because fuck, she was bad. What is Zero in Spanish? Uh, uh, the super real thing shop, or whatever I called it, was plenty of blocks away, so the ride felt like forever to sit with your feelings in the early morning, but at least she could admire the town of Kirby along the way. It had once been a bustling, thriving small-town community, with shops lining every corner of the pristine streets. But a Walmart with a McDonald's in it had moved in, so people had no use for any of that shit now, and it was a fucking wasteland, just like every other small town in America. You're talking about my town. Well, to be totally fair, it was still a pretty charming little town compared to how Walmart butt-fucked the rest of America, just with a lot less shops and a lot more HOAs that give you the death penalty for painting your shutters blue or getting the wrong color gray door handle. I hear they put a pumpkin bag over your head before they flip the switch, but that raises the HOA yearly fee by $700 per person. Put a pumpkin bag over it. What was I writing? Oh, yeah, Story Lords. Gotcha. (laughs) TK slowed her bike to a stop when she came across a bike tunnel she'd ridden through a hundred times during her small-town life here. She'd always found it pretty charming and small-towny before, but something about it had given her pause this time. It seemed darker inside somehow. 
Or maybe she felt the creeping memory at the edge of her mind of the dream she'd suffered this morning. Either way, she thought for a moment about taking the long way and cutting down Maple Grove Avenue instead. But eventually she decided to pull up her big girl pants and stop being such a weirdo about it. (laughs) It was, however, way too dark to ride her bike blindly through, so she stepped off of it and just pushed it into the tunnel, flicking the flashlight on her phone on to guide her way forward. Inside the tunnel, the cold white flash reflected off the strangely wet cobblestones below her feet in a way that made her feel instantly uncomfortable, though she couldn't discern exactly why. It had rained recently, but that had been three days ago. It could still feasibly be wet under her, she told herself, trying to shake the looming uncertainty from her mind as she pushed forward. Dread kept her flashlight pointed down and forward for most of the way through the underpass, but even though the overwhelming feeling of something being wrong there was the telltale draw of curiosity at her periphery. (sighs) And she was nothing if not a curious cat, so she eventually gave in, swinging her flashlight around under the overpass left and right. To the left, there was nothing but a few stray beer cans and a McDonald's wrapper or two, the clear signs of civilization achieving its (laughs) ultimate form the nation over. Damn. (laughs) Big thank you to Ray Kroc and the Walton family for bleeding rural America dry. They're loving it, TM. (laughs) Wow. Take that, America. That was brutal. I loved it. And also, whatever Walmart's dumb fucking slogan is now, who cares? Be crazy in our store, TM. Don't immunize. (laughs) Exactly. She also saw the brick stone walls, bone dry on this side, and most of the cobblestones beneath her feet also being dry at this point. She felt a chill in the air as she turned her flash to the right side of her. At first, she couldn't discern what she was looking at. Not many people can see what she saw that day and understand what they've laid their eyes upon. It was a pile. Like one that would be made up of broken trash bags or old discarded refuse. But it was soaking wet. And the wetness has permeated the wall beyond it and the cobblestone walkway almost all the way to the other end of the tunnel. The off-white brightness of the flashlight tinted it in such a way that it wasn't immediately recognizable. But when the light found the center of the pile... It reflected against two wide-open, lifeless eyes, piercing a veil of red and pink. She couldn't have missed exactly what she was looking at, regardless of anything else now. She'd seen those eyes hundreds of times, staring back at her with a cool, youthful indifference, just as they now stared back at her with a hollow, lightless blankness now. It was Remy, the delivery boy from her own shop. What? The refuse that surrounded him, ripped and torn from bone as if by the hands of some gigantic ravenous beast, was the flesh, muscle, and viscera of Remy the Delivery Boy. Cricket Man would never do this. (laughs) Piled high upon itself like a monument to the human insides pulled to the outsides. (laughs) The wetness that stained the ground below her was a deep, dark crimson that permeated the stone. Remy's blood had been spread from one end of the tunnel to the next. The stench suddenly hit her, and the first wave of it threatened to make her pass out from either fear or revulsion. But upon her body's first waft towards unconsciousness, she finally let loose that scream that had been building in her body since the beginning. She screamed loud and clarion clear through the tunnel, her entire body convulsing with the endless dread that poured out of her. 
She threw her head back, and her scream grew deeper, and the deep reverb of it on the walls of the tunnel became a loud, hollow reverb within the voice itself. Her hair flung around on her on winds that did not flow. Her body raised from the ground from the force of strings which did not exist to hoist her. Her pupils split open like two uncooked eggs and ran the black of them across her entire sclera. Eating the color and brightness and leaving only the black, empty void within them as tears streamed down her cheeks. What the fuck? A force erupted from her, outward and into the wall surrounding her on both sides, and whatever it was pushed each and every brick into the wall further into the foundation beyond them. Each one driven further into the concrete than the last, creating large fissures which splintered the stone here and there and shook the very ground beneath her with virulent horror. And then everything went dark. Her eyes slowly fluttered open, the brightness beyond them making it especially hard to quell the blurriness which assailed her enough to see. She felt nauseous, but couldn't remember why. It took several minutes of blinking before she found herself in a bed unfamiliar to her. Small machines beeped out her pulse, and a tube ran into her arm, which she desperately wanted to scratch at, but knew better instinctively. She was at Kirby County Hospital... She'd been here before, a long time ago, but this time she remembered why. Remy! She screamed out, but a hand on her shoulder calmed her instantly. He's... he's gone, Alyssa Madero sat beside her in a small folding hospital chair, looking worse for the wear with weariness. When you... you screamed when you, um... when you found him, a bunch of people at the Polka Festival in Maine... Heard, so the cops found you pretty quickly. That's scarier than that tunnel. (laughs) Polka festival? TK said with eyebrows knitted in confusion. We have a polka festival? (laughs) It's been going on for over a hundred years, TK, Alyssa, Alyssa said with a slightly relieved smile. They must be tired of yodeling by now, she managed to squeak out, laying back into her pillow. Alyssa managed a small laugh. I'm just glad you're okay. She became more grim almost immediately, though. The uh, disappearance of that lady across town is a murder. I heard the cops talking about it when they took Remy's... When they took Remy away. They found her the same way. There's a serial killer in Kirby, and no one knows it but us now. What? Alyssa, there was something... Something happened to me, TK managed to sputter out, at the... In the bike tunnel, when I saw Remy, I... Alyssa placed her hand on top of TK's and held it tightly, shaking her head and biting her lip to keep from becoming emotional herself. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about all this when they release you. Should be tomorrow morning, I think. You just get some rest now, okay? TK did feel an intense level of weariness down to her bones, a type of tired she hadn't felt in over 15 years at this point. That horrible night 15 years before... What happened? She nodded through a half-lidded gaze at Alyssa and managed a weak little smile before sinking further into her pillow. Suddenly, she was five years old, standing in the middle of the rubble of her own childhood home. Streaks of red lined the grass in three directions beyond the edges of the stone and splintered wood of the house she had known since she was born. She shivered in the cold night's air and listened to the familiar sounds of fire engines and police sirens in the distance. She looked down and saw dangling from her hand was a small brown teddy bear wearing a bow tie. 
Most of its body was blown to pieces and dangling from thin thread and stuffing. She tried to hold it to her chest, but it fell apart, piece by piece onto the broken earth below her feet. Symbolism. The, the pieces slowly fell into place in the darkness until the teddy bear's head landed atop the pile, except it was Remy's bulbous, empty eyes staring back at her from the top Whoa. of her own entra- his own entrails, and bones twisted and broken and horrendous. <laughs> she turned to run, but suddenly she couldn't move. She looked down and saw her own hands replaced by those of two elderly, withered, dark-skinned hands, which pulled hard at the bindings that held them in place against the chair she was tied to. She felt a frantic fear in her chest she could barely contain, and heard pleading and screaming coming from a mouth that was hers, and also not hers all at once. From the darkness in front of her came a man with eyes reflecting the light in the room looming over her with incandescent pupils which bore right into the heart of her. He spoke words she couldn't hear, but it didn't matter. She could feel the hunger within him. The same type of feeling prey feels when faced down with their direct predator. She turned her eyes frantically around the darkness for any hope of escape, any light amongst the oppressive shadow. She glanced the clock on the wall, barely hanging from it, and the time on it was burned into her mind. 4.23 a.m. Ah! TK screamed, lurching forward from her nightmare, finally awake from whatever hell she had found herself trapped within. She heaved breaths and looked around in the darkness of the hospital room for Alyssa, but found no one. Visiting hours must have been over a long, long time ago. She laid back into her pillow, her blood electric in her veins, and her heart pounding like a piston against the inside of her chest. She knew she had to look, but every fiber of her being was being inundated with fear. She looked anyway. The clock on the wall read 3.44 a.m. Woo! I... I I can't. It's, It's insane. None of this is real, TK whispered to herself in the darkness. But by the time she'd finished her last words, she was already yanking the tube out of her arm and disconnecting the heart monitor diode from her chest. She swung her legs off the edge of the bed and steadied herself on her feet. She thanked whatever luck she had left amidst all this indecision and fear that her clothing was all laid out nice and clean on the chair Alyssa had been sitting in when she first awakened here. She threw them on faster than she'd ever remembered getting dressed. The flatline sound of the machine no longer picking up her pulse, letting her know she had very limited time before a nurse would show up. By the time one did, she was long gone. The bill for her staying there would be $46 million. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real horror. After insurance. (laughs) Her bike had been parked out in front of the hospital in the normal bike racks, thankfully, and it had been easy and quick to take it and leave. It was the pedaling the entire way across town that was the hard part. She'd felt as if she'd been beaten by baseball bats the entire day before, every muscle in her body in direct pain from every move she made, but she still pedaled as hard and as fast as she could to get where she was going. Where she was going, however, was as much of a mystery to her as it was to the audience listening to this. Okay, okay, good. (laughs) Thankfully, I know where, though, so settle the fuck down. I'm getting to it. (laughs) Okay, okay, I will! She rode her bike on blind in that freezing night, feeling the stinging of cold on her nose and cheeks, and though she hadn't a clue of where she was going, she definitely knew when she had gotten there. She stared, wide-eyed, up at the abandoned shop front that stood in front of her, 
reading blockbuster video in phantom letters underneath the outline of an old movie ticket still burned into the concrete signage above the barred double doors. Being 25 years old, she'd only really heard of these places in stories told by boring-ass millennials in nostalgia-bait TikTok videos and cringy Star Trek podcasts, so this was entirely new for her. But one thing did catch her eye. Besides an entire generation desperate to hold onto the last shreds of their misspent youth, doing so by deifying a chain of video rental stores that couldn't turn a profit, <laughs> the side door down the alleyway next to the shop was slightly ajar, and there was a dim light coming from inside. What am I doing? She whispered to herself in the stale cold night's air, her breath heaving, heaping lungfuls of painfully cold air. And almost as if in answer to her question, she laid her bike down against the wall of the building and crept around to the side of it. Every step she took felt unsure, wobbly, slow, reticent, but she took them anyway. One at a time until she was standing close enough to peer into the crack between the door and the fascia, squinting into the dim light inside to try and see what was beyond it. A single threadbare light swung back and forth in the dark, illuminating the refuse-strewn floor below it, but nothing alive was anywhere within its purview. She sighed a quiet sigh of relief, but knew what she was looking for wouldn't be under a light anyway. It was entirely too dark within her dream for that. <laughs> what she did see beyond that light, though, was another ajar door in the darkness beyond it, and a voice somberly speaking in the doldrums of an echo she couldn't make out words from. She looked down the street in both directions, then into the dimly lit doorway again. God damn it! Ugh, she whispered to herself, then slipped inside. After an excruciatingly long sidle up to the next door, she could peer inside once more, and, sudden sh and the sudden shooting pain in her head at what she saw told her she had arrived where her dreams had led her. A man stood with his back to the door, his head in his hands and his shoulders hunched over. He was quietly sobbing into his hands and wore a crumpled old blue business suit with tags and holes in it, filthy He's from overwear. He's on me, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he had thinning short brown hair from what she could see, but she couldn't see his face at all. In front of him, tied to an old metal chair, was a dark-skinned woman with high-piled black hair slumped over forward with her innards spilled out of her stomach all over the floor in front of her. Fuck! Her body still and lifeless in the acrid, heavy darkness. TK covered her mouth to keep from screaming at the sight, but took notice of the clock on the wall behind her that she had seen once before. It read 4.40 a.m. Too late. Mm. The indignation that welled up in her chest, that burning in her heart, scorched away all of the fear which had swirled in her body all day up until now. She stood up straight and kicked the door inward, swinging it hard against the wall and causing it to crash against it. The man swiveled to face her, his tear-stained face far more stained with the bright red blood of his mutilated victim. His reflective eyes shone white in the darkness, and his body convulsed inhumanly at the intrusion upon whatever the fuck all this was to him. Murder? Cannibalism? You... you monster! You fucking sicken me! TK screamed out in a voice that was slowly filling with a hollow reverb beyond its timbre. You don't understand. This isn't who I am, the man screamed back, panic in his voice. You don't know what they did to me, what they turned me into. 
I don't care! You murderer! You psychotic freak! TK's voice rumbled the room around them, small bits mm. of debris and trash beginning to slowly rise up off of the ground on winds that came from nowhere, albeit by a force beyond the understanding of both figures in the room. I, I was a man! I had a family! I loved my family, my wife, my son, my son! They don't even remember who I am anymore! They, they took me in the night, and I escaped their facility. But when I got home, my wife, she didn't know who I was anymore. They did something to her. Oh, God! The man screamed and ranted, his skin convulsing and moving as if something was writhing just below the surface. They did something to me! I didn't do any of this! Liar! TK bellowed out, her voice overlaid with a deep demonic reverb which echoed over and over as if through an unseen canyon between the two of them. Her body shook and she began to convulse herself, her arms and legs splaying out into air. She raised from the ground once more, a force from within her bending the laws of gravity without her even understanding how or why. Her mind was completely engulfed in a turbulent rage at that moment. Her sclera were swallowed by blackness, engulfing her entire eye in a darkness so deep that no light reflected upon it. Stop! Please! The man screamed, his face splitting open and long serrated pincers exploding out of the open gaping wound left behind, chittering and slithering through the flesh towards the freedom of open air. But the force that erupted from TK would stop the transformation short before it could ever be realized. Steel, wood, concrete, everything evaporated like a raindrop on a breeze. The force pushed outwards in a continuous circle, flattening the building and everything around it for several dozen more feet flat to the ground. TK, I get it. Yep. Mm. The thing that was the murderous man erupted into a fountain of blood and entered and entered so seethed that they could not be told apart from the blood, holding in the air but for a moment until the onslaught was over, then dropping to the ground in a heavy liquid slorp. <laughs> TK blinked. She was standing in the middle of Dos Chica's flower shop, wearing a completely different outfit. Go Google fall women's fashion and pick one. Fuck you. <laughs> But it was completely different from the one she wore before. <laughs> Alyssa handed her a tablet with a window of a news story up on it. This is nuts, she said somberly. TK took it with shaking hands and trembling lips and read it out loud, and her own normal voice returned. Serial killer found... vaporized? Yeah. They apparently matched his blood to some found in the other victims, I guess. Alyssa trailed off. Not that TK was really listening. She looked around at the flower shop, and everything looked perfectly fine. Like nothing had ever happened to her. But the headline. What Alyssa was talking about. That all happened to her. Right? When did I... When did I get out of the hospital? She stuttered out. What? Alyssa looked confused. <laughs> Are you Okay. You left in the middle of the night three days ago. And, uh, and where did I go? What did I do? TK rubbed her eyes with the back of her hands, mostly out of an automatic response to this overwhelming stimulus. Uh, maybe we should take you back to the hospital. Alyssa placed her hand on TK's shoulder to try to comfort her, but when TK glared at her, she removed it. Okay, okay, uh, 
You went back to your apartment. You called in and said you needed a couple days to rest. You literally just walked back in. Do I need to update you on the conversation we're having right now, too? Yes, please. No, it's just uh, the fear and confusion suddenly felt secondary. She was alive. Whatever had happened at that blockbuster. No. No, she wasn't going to pretend like she didn't remember it anymore. The strange power, the dreams, all of it. She'd always remembered it, ever since she was a little girl. Never mind. I guess I'm just a little tired. TK smiled a weak smile. That's okay, it's understandable, Alyssa said with her own smile, though it was far more reassuring. She picked up the tablet and looked over it again, shaking her head in disbelief. I'm just still wondering who the hell the serial killer guy even was. Where he even came from. I guess we'll never know. Boy, do I have a newsflash for her, dude. A voice came from the other side of the room. A cold chill exploded up TK's back as she slowly turned to see where it had come from. Standing across the room, not a few steps away from Alyssa, who seemed complete, uh, seemed to absolutely not even notice he was there, was a thin teenage boy wearing ripped-up jeans, Chuck Taylors, a flannel shirt tied around his waist, and a backwards Yukon Huskies hat. He was a goddamn fucking ghost floating in the air in the full <laughs> reclined cartoon position Bugs Bunny had when he's chilling out while fucking with Elmer Fudd. What the fuck? What? TK stuttered out. Alyssa looked up and then looked where TK was staring and then back at her, not registering anything. Are you okay? You're acting super weird today. The, oh my god. The ghost looked up at TK as well, floating over towards her with wide eyes and a surprised look, a surprising, surprised huge smile on his face. Yo, you can see me, brah? Holy shnikes, that's wild, dude. <laughs> oh my god. TK stared straight at him with mouth agape, her entire body frozen in place. Yo, psychic dudette, you are not gonna <laughs> believe this, dude. But my name is Dips. And I totally know who calls that fucked up killer Monster Mash, dude. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that was so good. Dips no. is back. Okay, telekinetic. Teresa Konzaki. That's great. That was Man. that was uh, movie esque in its uh, descriptiveness. God damn, yes. it was thank so you, good. Thank you. I really ended up liking this one when I was writing it. I was wrapped into this, I dude. F- I forgot I was a part of the podcast for a second. I thought I was just listening. <laughs> I, genuinely, for about 10 minutes, I was like, shit, I haven't said anything for so okay. long. And I, I guess like, I didn't... I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> I guess I didn't think of the um, possibility that no one remembered who the fuck Dips is. No, no. we all remember. <laughs> who doesn't know who Dips is? Can't fucking with it. Uh, but when you were, like, uh, saying that, like, hopefully the podcast doesn't continue with us killing off beloved characters because we had a bad week, I was like, well, technically, I did kill Dips. Yeah. yeah. Poor Dips. He has been dead since the mid-90s, though, so. Yeah, fair Oh, enough. then I don't care. It's like seeing a dog in a movie. Like, yeah. I dead. I mean, we, we, try all... th- we try not to think about the fact that Dips is dead when we see a story about <laughs> Yeah. Dips is dead, baby. Dips is. I dead. mean, we all died in the nineties in one shame, a shape or another, right? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it um, was the last okay. time there was any positivity in the world. <laughs> Could be. Could be. That's when Dips yeah. was alive. The true positive of our world. <laughs> Dips died for our sins. Uh, Man. 
but uh, I really liked writing like a slacker, like loser character. Yeah, like TK. Dude. I always I picture the dude from uh, Stranger Things, the pizza guy. <laughs> I oh always yeah. Picture, well, I mean, I like uh, I was saying, like uh, TK is kind of trying to get her life back together mm. after. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Like yeah, she's yeah, always yeah. been flaky, but it's gotten so much worse since she and Alyssa broke up. And they have to run yeah. a business together since. <laughs> a yeah, that's flower business, up. which is like the boringest of businesses. <laughs> yeah. Look, don't yeah. you disparage <laughs> Do- Dos Chicas flower shop. Dos Chicas. <laughs> yeah, well, the branded wouldn't work if they didn't work together. Exactly. Yeah. That was probably yeah. Alyssa's whole argument. Look, if you yeah. li- if you leave, then it's got to be Una Chicas, and that's not fun. No. Una Chicas is good. One woman flower shop, I guess. <laughs> it's just opening it up for like robbers, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably Holy true. There's only one woman in there. Oh, get that money. <laughs> yeah. We gotta steal flower those flowers. <laughs> yeah, let's get yeah. those th- those blood orchids. Give me all your nightingales, bitch. <laughs> I got. Yeah, I, there's of course gonna be blood in my story, but I felt like that was like a cop out. So mm-hmm. I put a blood orchid in as well. Oh yeah, I forgot we do prompts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what was the other one? Oh right, the poker fest. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. You had a festival. You had a festival yeah, poker sex fest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had the yeah, no, the sextable sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always a festival. There's uh, there's definitely always a festival in almost all of Josh's yeah, stories. So yeah, that was it's fine. All, it, I, it's this is party. not the first or the last sextival we'll have in a Henderson story. Dude, if you lived in if you lived in like a fantasy world yeah. where like magic could do shit, yeah. you just would fuck, dude. Every day's a sextival. It'd just be like time to fuck. Nothing matters. <laughs> Yeah, there's no STDs, and magic is the 100% perfect prophylactic, so... Did you play Baldur's Gate 3? You just fuck. No, no, I haven't yet. What the... I told you, it's not in physical edition yet, so I refuse to play it. Wait, when does it come out on PlayStation? I have no idea. I mean, it's on PlayStation. It's just not a physical copy. You can yeah. only get digital. I think it's coming out though, right? It yeah, must the be. physical copy copy is like December something. I think. There you go. Then Why would they it. do that? Because it's stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're hoping that people will double dip. Maybe. Well, that, I mean, are they going to give you like a statue or something? Maybe I, I would do that, but no. I mean, I don't have a like you can get the spe- so. I'm sure there's going to be a special edition that comes with a statue or something. With like loads sh- of shit got that you don't need. The, de- like the, the Dead Island edition. statue that has its head and arms cut off, but it's got titties. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let me uh, let me look that up. <laughs> For a friend. Gross, honestly. For a friend. <laughs> Island statue titties. Yeah. Uh-huh, this is uh-huh. this is this is great podcasting. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I described got... it perfectly. And you, you can have, like, what are you, from America or from England? Because we got the British flag titties or American flag titties. Wow, it's like they cater to this whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> everyone is. Everyone is included. Fuck you, everyone else on Earth. You can't get All the, the white people. You can't get the decapitated torso titties like we can. <laughs> on that note, let's take a break and we'll be back for part three little bit. Just you and I, fine, high. I wish to everyone in this land would just live in life. 
we're back for part three. We didn't even <laughs> tangent a lot this time. We just no, we did. We, we came back. We're too, t- too tired. <laughs> we are too tired. So <laughs> gotta get this energy up. <laughs> so uh, with no further ado, that made me so much more tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you watch someone who's uh, got a lot of energy, like a child, and you're just like, get this kid away from me. <laughs> yeah. Tired, let me live my life in despair. Anyway. Why couldn't you be a dog? Fucking <laughs> father of the year, Rich Masters over here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sarcastic. I'm just, I'm just telling it how it is, man. <laughs> There is nothing worse than parents who are like, this is the best thing ever, and my child's a drop of sunshine. A drop of fucking sunshine that will burn you alive. Yeah. No. Uh, Go to sleep. Get the Benadryl Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to have kids before, but now I'm definitely, they're going to burn me alive. (laughs) Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think, like, maybe Evan is, like, lighting the house on fire? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would. I'd be like, what's that kid doing? I'd have to go look. The most terrified I've ever been as a parent is when I woke up and he was standing over me, staring oh at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? He, um, I have a completely said, unrelated question, although on, I guess on. it's somewhat related to my story. Go on. <laughs> um, I didn't see the new Ghostbusters movies. Is, so, is there yeah, a Harold Ramis ghost in them? Yes, in the set. In oh, first. my yep. God. Yep. <laughs> How do they do that? Does he uh, talk? CGI. Does he say that Harold is, Ramis stuff? That is painfully disrespectful, but whatever. I don't think he talks. It was his son who directed it, wasn't it? No, it's Adam was Reitman. It it's was the it? son of the guy who made the first one. Oh, I thought it was his... I thought it was Ramis' son. Oh, okay. I, right. may, I don't think so, but I maybe. I, I'm movies. not positive. I mean, they, they were fine. They were fine enough. The first one. I, I haven't even, seen the second one. How do you even watch this? I guess my one? question think, is, who are the Ghostbusters now? Paul Rudd and his children? Yeah. Paul Rudd, his children, and... And the ri- original. Yeah. Yeah. Danny DeVito and... <laughs> Danny DeVito. <Bill> Murray. <laughs> Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito needs to be in <laughs> Ghostbusters. Danny DeVito, Eddie Murray. give him one of the kids' uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Will Wheaton. My episode <laughs> this week is called Time Enough to Get Wrecked. Yeah! <laughs> One of these days I'm going to do a funny name. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, hello there. Time for another trip to the Omniverse, eh? Seven episodes in now, and I know what you're all thinking. You've raised a lot of seemingly disparate elements early on in this story, Masters. <laughs> The pillars, the political structure of Alima, other planetary powers, time travel, rifts, those weird scientists having a weird sex party all the way back in chapter one, fratricide, rhyming gnome-like attendance, and the bombing of a Senate building, none of which you've explained in any detail and uh, or even really connected yet. When are you going to start explaining stuff? This is exactly how Dune 1984 starts. <laughs> you, you're seriously not going to leave us hanging for another chapter, are you? Are you? Oh, please tell me it's not time for another patented master's character change to tell the next part of the story from their perspective to give us listener blue balls, right? Right? He's right? Definitely, he's definitely doing it. 
Florgo sat at the counter. Florgo's real? (laughs) What the fuck? Florgo sat at the counter in a droid detailing and sex bot emporium named Metal Mammary Mart. The nice. triple the triple M with the best selection of double D's. Damn. <laughs> Staring at the outside world passing him by. There were parents escorting their ugly little crotch goblins. Old Damn. people complaining about every person and thing they saw, even though it had no bearing on their lives in any way. Fuck you, old people. <laughs> yep. yeah. And on the far side of the road, a space dog was taking a shit, and his owner just walked on by without even bagging it. Does he have like an astronaut helmet? I on? have no idea. Yes. I just wrote the word space in front of dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was just exact- a normal dog, but it has six legs. <laughs> it's a dog. <laughs> the denizens of his. Oh, it wasn't exactly what he had anticipated when he moved here from the Vale. The denizens of his home were nomads, the equivalent of space Amish, or Sparmish for ease of typing. Sparmish. <laughs> Florgo had needed something other than space station barn raises and chat about what their neighbour, old Ted, was doing. Spoilers, it was nothing. It was fucking nothing, just like every day mm. in Sparmish country. True. That's, how, that's why we complain about him, fucking old Ted. <laughs> he came to Alima for adventure, for excitement. Not to sell metal cum receptacles to gross old men and women. Hmm. If you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. Oh my god. I agree. I hate this character. Lloyd, Lloyd Business, the weird little frogman owner of the Triple M, croaked as he exited his office in the back, where he cult- cultivated his Spawn Hub saved videos list. And then, up- <laughs> and then updated his spreadsheet for sliminess and quote unquote jackability. <laughs> Jesus. I thought you Vale people were supposed to be studious and hardworking for the less than minimum wage I pay you. I expect more from a, a minority because Alima is obviously better than you'd have in your own country and planet, I assume. Otherwise, why would you be here? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he went. He just narrowed down xenophobia <laughs> into two sentences. <laughs> he went to the window and looked across the road at their competitors at Ilgot and Gaines. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh jeez! Note: one of you is going to laugh at this joke, and the other one is going to say something like, "Oh god, Rich." <laughs> Him fucking Jedi. He knows. He knows. Shut it down. (laughs) Shut it down. All right. See you next week, everybody. The second-hand droid smiths that took on stolen parts. Today's the day, Florgo. I'm gonna fucking firebomb that place. He's selling the Dildotronic 3000 for a full 20% less than us. And it comes with the advanced hand job updates with 90% guaranteed not to tear your whole dick off. Uh, that sounds good enough for me does that does that mean it might still tear some of your dick off 90% of the time Florgo asked confused or or is there like a 10% chance of complete schlongectomy (laughs) (laughs) Lloyd turned around his face as angry as a cop whose wife has made a decision about her own body or life in any way 
I, God, he's mad. I don't, I don't know. I don't use those sad droids. I, I use prostitutes or some sponges, a latex glove, and a Pringles can, or a pitcher of a clutch of eggs, like a real frog man. Now, now get to cleaning. <laughs> man, that was really specific. <laughs> Florgo grabbed a cloth and went to the racks of hanging, realistic nude droids. He hoped that Mr. Business wasn't going to notice that the try-before-you-buy filters on the sex bots hadn't been emptied in a few days. Oh. Why did you write this? <laughs> he cleared his throat. Uh, are, we, are we closing early today, Mr. Business? Close early? Mr. Business became as red as a beetroot who had to explain to his beetroot wife that he had gotten herpes from that hookup in the alley behind a Wendy's that night. <laughs> That's really red, why right? Is, why is he explaining this to his wife? That's a what? relatable metaphor that I think we all understand. Why ever would we close early, Bob Cratchit? I mean, floor go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's the Festival of Thanks. Florgo found it hard to believe that Mr. Business would have forgotten. It was the founding holiday of Alima, where the routine election took place that the Union had always won since the end of the Galactic War. There would be dancing, and balloons, and turkey or some such meat, and whatever else this holiday was about. I assume some sort of sporting event. Spaceball. <laughs> like a filthy immigrant can vote anyway. Lloyd Business Jesus. laughed. His jowly neck shook racistly. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man, you've been like reading my stories too much. What are, you, off on you. <laughs> what are you hoping to find there? Tips to take back to your undemocratic third world um world? <laughs> <laughs> a, l- a low rumble interrupted Mr. Business, and he st- stopped his intolerant tirade to look concernedly out the window across the road at Ilgot and Gaines. Business shook his fist at the storefront. I'll bet they've turned the gangbang mode up too high, those novices. Rookies shouldn't <laughs> dabble in sex bots, he shouted. In response, a stronger rumble took the whole shop, knocking the full rack of sex droids off... Uh, Whole, whole wall of sex bots off their racks. Oh, s- sweet metal titties, Lloyd grumbled. <laughs> <laughs> I rue the day I got into the dick droid mark. Florgo was blasted back into a counter display of oily lube that smashed and leaked all over him. He was peppered with glass, a painful money shot that dotted his face with stinging <laughs> lacerations. Jesus. <laughs> Fuck. But it wasn't from the display. The storefront windows had been blown in. And when he got to his shaky feet, he surveyed the store and the street outside, which had been reduced to a bigger wreck than your mum and dad's relationship after you were born, you terrible disappointment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fucking hell. Why did you write this at me? <laughs> the street was torn up. You wrote this up. at me. <laughs> the street was torn up. A wide trench dug out as it tore its way to the shop, which was a pile of sex spots and rubble at this point. Florgo jumped the counter and looked for Lloyd on the floor, only to find a bloody smear leading to something that was only partially human. Fuck me, the voice grumbled in a low, breathless voice. I must have died and gone to heaven. I'm surrounded by sweet steel sweater meat. (laughs) (laughs) A 
cybernetic hand jutted out from the mass of robot nudity. And Florgo thought for a second that this might have been like that Kim Cattrall movie, The Mannequin, which was a hallowed text on his world. Also... Not a bad movie. A fact that I will fight to the death about. Admittedly, that's a good movie. It's, a... it's got what's his name though, and I hate him. <laughs> Admittedly, it's a weird hill to die on. But I'm in that sort of mood, this pissy mood this week, where I'll throw hands about anything. Oh, you got a different opinion? Well, why not email me at I don't give a nat's taint at fuckoffanddie.asap. I added a hyperlink to help you out. I have added a hyperlink. <laughs> Is Andrew McCarthy who you hate, Josh? Yeah, he sucks. No. I don't know him from anything else. Pretty in stink. Oh. Got him. He's good in the mannequin, though. Yeah, that movie. That's got a good soundtrack, yeah, that movie, yeah, man. Yeah, Starship. Hell yeah. Yep, Starship. Yep. Oh, I do love some Starship. <laughs> As the bloodied cybernetic man stood up, Florgo saw that he was covered in blood and that under him the smear of Lloyd business had been spread over the sickly, sticky linoleum tiles of the shop like Josh spread your mama's butt cheeks last night. Why, <laughs> why Josh, you ask? Well, I'm certainly not touching your disease-ridden family tree with anything less than a chainsaw. <laughs> he wouldn't fuck your mama with my dick. As Florgo put a hand down to him to help him up, a long, thin reap blade slid under his chin. Keep hands to self, boy. You don't want to catch some debilitating STI from this one. <laughs> Florgo turned to find a woman in reapskins smirking at him. Behind her, a velvet crocodile splicer stood next to what looked like a roboticop in a full-length ball gown and feathered headdress. <laughs> what? <laughs> Alongside them was someone that even Florgo recognised, the Pillar of Alima known as Raph carrying an unconscious girl in her arms. Back home, he had heard tales of the Pillars, superheroes of Alima that he could look up to and aspire to be one day. The Pillar looked back out the way they came, and as he looked at her, he saw the tear-clean streaks in the grime snaking down her face and under her chin. They had all been in the wars. The the Roboticops are coming. We have to find a way to the spaceport now. We... That's the sound of the Roboticops! (laughs) We, at minimum, need some grand destruction for the Roboticops, the crocodile man growled. I do not see a way out of this without bloodshed. Florgo cleared his throat and everyone turned to him with narrowed eyes. Um, uh, I have an idea. Sometime before, Kellen stood... (laughs) I couldn't be bothered to work out when it was. Kellen stood at Asha's bedside, looking down at her baby sister, who was now about five years older than her. She was looking much better, the colour returning to her already pale cheeks. She was amazed at how beautiful she was, blonde and lithe and muscled, though her face was marked with little scars across her nose and at the corners of her mouth. The freckly little kid she knew was still there, buried just under the surface. Are you awake? Kellen whispered loud enough to not be a whisper anymore. Asher stirred. I was until you woke me. Why is it that I haven't seen you for nearly 20 years and you are still somehow just as annoying as when I I fell through the rift? Is personal growth something that has passed you by, sister? Kellen fell on Asha and wrapped her in her arms with a sob. Oh, God. Anyone would think I was lost in hell timeline and got stabbed in the abdomen the moment I reunited with my family. Oh, wait, that did happen. (laughs) (laughs) Kellen sat up. Uh, 
Asha sat up with a groan and hugged her sister back. Don't be a moron. How were you to know? Mum and Kel... Reth had to keep what we were doing a secret. I've been trying for a year to, to, to get you back, Kellen said. We left your room, your things. Everything is the way it was. Thank the gods. When I was fighting off demons with the reap in the future, I really thought, I, I wish I had my builder bear and crayons with me. <laughs> Asher smirked. <laughs> I don't suppose you kept that dress of yours I always liked. Kellen sniffed and wiped her eyes with the back of her hand, and she felt like a weight had been lifted off her already overburdened shoulders. Like you'd fit in it now anyway, fat ass. <laughs> Asha swung her legs around the bed and punched Kellen in the arm. Hey, I'm big sister now. I get to be the bully. Kellen looked at Asha's legs, which were covered with scars from crude stitching and poorly healed wounds. Where have you been, Asha? If I tell you, it might never happen. And then I might not get home. Asher stared at Kellen with a deadly seriousness. And I will not go back there, Kellen. I'd rather stick my finger in a rift demon's bunghole and then blow in his fang-filled face. (laughs) 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 I was lucky to get out of that place alive. Kellen sighed and stood, moving over to Asher's monitors. Raph said she was going to be honest. I need to know this stuff so I can help you. Asha reached over to her skins and pulled them towards her. She winced with the pain, but took a second before pulling them over her medical gown. Sister dear, Raph is you. You know there are things you need to protect people from. She couldn't tell you everything, or she would cease to be. She's been involved in some questionable activities. Activities she cannot burden you with the knowledge of yet. You mean like whatever happened to Dad? Kellen glared. She she can't talk about that at, at all, Asha said, steadying herself with a hand on the bed. I, I didn't know she'd told you she had anything to do with it. Kellen stepped back, her thumb on the control to administer pain relief to Asha. She didn't, but you just did. Asha, Damn. Asha slipped back into the, onto the bed and lazily reached for Kellen. You clever bitch she said (laughs) before slipping into unconsciousness the trip home was longer than kellen could bear but she moved through the corridors and towards her mother's office anticipation was replaced with anxiety and her blood went from hot to cold raph and her cronies asher they couldn't have murdered her father could they they couldn't have killed 18 innocent well i mean they were politicians so let's drop the innocent bit but people (laughs) Kellen Kellen stepped through the door and checked her desk, but she didn't know exactly what she was looking for. A confession letter, bomb blueprints, a cloak with I killed my husband and all I got were these lousy robes of office printed on the back. (laughs) (laughs) As always, Kellen was like a bull in a china shop, but one that got confused when they got there and didn't really know what to do. She was more just like a fucking dickhead in a china shop. (laughs) Damn, judgmental much, narrator? (laughs) Yeah, narrator. You need to stop worrying. The election will be fine. The Norngard and the Velet have left already. The vote is simple formality for them. They'll back themselves out of general principle, even if they know which way the vote will go. The Union always vote for themselves, and the Vale are friends of ours. It's the Festival of Thanks that's the main worry. Anyone can strike at us from there. Etienne Ray's voice drifted down the corridor and Kellen quickly moved to the balcony, leaving the door open so she could hear. 
Raff preceded Etty through the door and took a seat immediately on the far side of her desk. It will certainly be easier to do what we need to do without the Norn and Velet here. We cannot have them snooping around my younger self as we're trying to teach her, General. Would you please call me Mother, Kellen? It's creepy you calling me by my title when we're alone. Etty stood at the window, looking out onto Alima. If she had looked down, she might have seen her daughter ducked behind a balcony chair amongst some particularly curious pigeons. We, we need to just get through the vote. Securing another five years will mean we can start fixing things in this timeline. I only wish the bombing could have happened after the vote. Corvus's political influence could have proven useful the last few weeks. We couldn't take the risk. Removing the senators delayed the union's movement on the veil, Raff, Raff muttered. There was more than a hint of regret in her voice. Even if it has created a small risk, there's no way any, any, any enemy could exploit that. So that was it. Mm. They had so much as ad- admitted it. They had arranged to blow the Senate up, and with it her father and 17 other people. Kellen's cheeks ran hot as her stomach turned over inside her. She felt nauseous, but also wanted to go in and confront them. Those two, these two women who had stolen her father from her. Why? How could Kellen have grown to the point where she could have thought it acceptable to kill her own father? Why had the pair of them killed someone they professed to love? And now, who the hell could she talk to about it? Where could she go? And then it hit her. A bird flew off the roof and hit her square in the face. And when <laughs> <laughs> when she had chewed it away and pulled the feathers from the hair, from her hair, it really hit her. She knew exactly where to go. With a jump over the balcony, she was gone. Raph saw something in the peripherals, a blur at the balcony that she went to investigate, but suddenly Oryx burst through the door to Etty's office, three Imperial guards hanging off of him and trying to stop him from maybe eating the general. (laughs) Raph turned instantly. (laughs) Raph turned instantly and grabbed Doomcock reflexively. Oryx was followed by Hallgrim, who looked like he had gone 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. Ah, but not the Mike Tyson you know, the Mike Tyson of this timeline. The celebrated makeup and special effects cosmetic artist who specialised in injury (laughs) detail. (laughs) Oh, that Mike Tyson. On reflection, even Mike Tyson could have been used as an example, but I didn't really want to use an anachronistic analogy. This time travel stuff is confusing enough. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have used 12 rounds as a union unit of measurement, because that was, that was definitely a mistake. Note to self, don't mix metaphors. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, Rich. <laughs> also, Humey was there, but for some reason he had dressed in a very formal and very ill-fitting purple and black teenager's ball gown, matching that Fascinator and Jack Skellington purse. <laughs> <laughs> he went to hot topic before this. <laughs> the gown hung off his shapeless frame, and when he curtsied to General Amre, the straps fell from his shoulders and revealed his featureless chrome body. Mercy, he explained, hurriedly pulling the straps back up. I should, I should have had my tailor alter this occasional dress I have believably had since my graduation. I must have lost weight this season. Raph tried. <laughs> That's not, what it is. Raph tried not to laugh, putting her fingers to her mouth. Humi, you you look like someone has kicked a steel bucket through a hot topic. What the <laughs> hell are you wearing? <laughs> he uh he had to go get dressed for the festival. He said. Holgrim rolled his eyes. We tried to convince him he had urgent news to pass on, but then he started to get all kill mode enabled, and we left it. <laughs> Humi narrowed his eye slits. 
Are you talking about me? Suspicion at 83%. Kill mode in name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love Huey so much. <laughs> Uh, Oryx put a calm, meaty hand to Humi's head as his hands turned to blades that lashed out at them. Thankfully, there was no reaching anyone, and as Oryx made calming, shushing noises, Humi put the knives away and came back into the room. From from Oryx's expression, they had been through this a few times today. (laughs) General Amre stood, a worried look on her face as she rounded her desk to the rest of them. This is all fascinating and potentially terrifying, but whatever possessed you to enter here, we can't have anyone linking these activities to me. As Humi pulled a flower from the general's desk and tried to put it in his non-existent hair, only for it to fall unceremoniously to the floor, Hallgrim pushed past him with an exasperated sigh. (sighs) Boopy de Beppy had some info that could fill in some of the gaps (laughs) in why things went so bad in your timeline, Raph. Kellen. A rasping voice came over the radio at Raph's waist. It was Asher. She she knows. Or at least she thinks she knows why Dad isn't around. Humi raised his hands. Um, the information I have is related to this current happy haps. It seems... Haps. <laughs> it seems whomever is after Lady Kellen is going to attempt to take her today. It was a capture-kill order, and they intend to use the festival as cover... As soon as the vote is done, they intend to go ahead with the plan. Raph caught Etty's concerned look and brought the radio to her mouth. Asher, we need to find her before she does too much damage to the timeline. Are you ready to go hunting? I am already on my way. The radio cut out. Send send the uh, the radio the radio said sorry not cut out. Send the creature features to Marble Square. They can blend in with all the other costumed freaks, and we can search for her. <laughs> Raph turned to the others, feeling Etty growing anxious at her side. Find her. Her? You mean you, don't you? Colgrim said. Just go, Raph shouted. (laughs) (laughs) As the three left to find Kellen, Etty turned to Raph. What about you? Aren't you going? Raph bit the inside of her cheek. There was only one thing more important than trying to find her younger self. I'm sticking with you. I don't have your faith in politics. The Union Embassy was much like any embassy building you might have ever seen. Wait, what do you mean you've never seen an embassy building? Have you never worked in the civil service and had to attend boring meetings in the joy-suck black holes of those buildings? No? Oh, okay. Well, they're normally unnecessarily elaborate stone buildings with ornate detailing full of boring farts who think what they do is the most important thing in the world. It's sovereign territory, (laughs) Rich. In the Union Embassy building on the Lima, this was doubly true because the Minister of the Unionised Planets, Jiren Greywood, along with his wife, Umbra Greywood, were in residence. They were like family to Kellen, and she could think of no one else she could trust, despite their unhealthy interest in her rift powers. If they took her back to the Union, at least she would be away from the, the, from the so-called family who killed her dad. Lady Umbra placed a cup of tea down in front of Kellen, even though she hadn't asked for it, because that's what all old people think solves the ills of the world. Have inherited a dumpster fire world full of divisive politics? Tea. Can't afford a house because all the boomers ruined the housing market with flipping property like they were official ALF pogs from the 90s? Tea. (laughs) I love that Rich is just railing right now. I love this. Can't get a job in your field because of rising living costs in the city preventing you from working your way up in a system propagated and cultivated by them? 
tea. I've got a tea for you. It's at the end of the C, U and N I've written here, you degenerate old walking <laughs> skeletons. <laughs> Fucking genius. <laughs> yeah. Damn, son. <laughs> Where'd you cunt there? <laughs> you, you see, I thought about what you offered and I'd like to take you up on it, Kellen muttered, unable to meet their gaze. I'd like to go to New Earth, back to New Earth with you both. Duran gave her a hard look over the top of his glasses. He put down his, you guessed it, tea, and leaned back in the chair in their well-appointed lounge. It's a British-ass setting you've got going on here. <laughs> so British. And we're, Jeff and I are just like, yes, tea. <laughs> tea. That is often a thing I am offered. <laughs> look, I, we haven't had tea in this country since we threw it in the fucking harbour. So. I mean, it's yeah, your loss. It's belongs. delicious. Um... I don't like tea. <laughs> you, just I do, I you, just, you just haven't tasted the right blend. Uh, I'm, I'm, just ki- I'm just kidding. I like Irish put, breakfast tea. Like I like I Irish breakfast tea. That's pretty good. I don't understand. You seemed horrified by our initial suggestion, my dear. I must admit I was planning on talking with Etty first, but it's odd that you've had such a turnaround. Tell us what's wrong, dear. Umber Greywood flashed her old lady smile at Kellen as she sat beside her, placing a hand on Kellen's knee. We're your family. We can help. I don't she, trust these people. She hadn't thought this through, which was typical Kellen emotional response. How could she tell them that Etty and Raff had betrayed her so without putting her brothers and Asher at risk? The risk that further innocence could be caught in the crossfire was too high. I, I, I can rift walk. I can open and close the portals that have been plaguing us. It's me. I'm I'm the cause of them. Well, dear. Not the only cause, Umbra said with that smile. What? Y- you knew already. I-, I thought you were alluding to it at Dad's funeral, but I, d- I didn't know you knew. We'll take you back with us, kiddo. Jiren leaned forward. We can teach you how to use these portals and help us, your mother, every one of our friends. Kellen stood, knocking Umbra's hand off her knee. But, but I don't want to learn how to use it. That's not why I came to you. I, I want them gone. They've caused too much suffering already. Oh, kiddo. Jiren stood and rounded the table, then punched her with a right cross so hard that Kevin slumped to the sofa. Who gave you the... Sucker imp- punch your adopted daughter? Who gave you the impression you had a choice, you little shit? He smirked I at Umbra. I knew fucking... I knew it. Who stood a little straighter. Etty Amray entered the hall along with Raph, where four curved tables were arranged in a large circle. At one, a screen displayed the technarch of the Norn, who was playing Mario Kart with someone over the planetary net. <laughs> Probably Jeff. Do not, do not blue shell me, you filthy organic curses pipped on the last corner, he said. <laughs> Some things never change. As soon as he noticed the others, the letters AFK appeared on his screen and his giant face appeared on the monitor. Next to him, a life-size hologram of Queen Queen Promiscua of the Velet sat cross-legged. She splayed her fingernails out in front of her, obviously bored. Next to her was someone Etty knew well, Elder Talis from the Feldar, the representatives of the people of the Vale. He wore his ceremonial robes and a neutral expression, but nodded to Etty and Raph. And lastly, there were Minister and Lady Greywood next to them, who gave a big wave to Etty as she entered the centre of the room. Raph stood at the doorway to the Great Hall, but Etty continued to the middle, standing in the centre of the four tables and beginning. Rulers of the four interplanetary houses, we're here today. We vote for Velet, Queen Promiscuous stated loudly. 
No offence, Amray, but I have to get back to my milk bath before it becomes tepid, and my male attendants think their fingers are for something other than massaging my various throbbing body parts. <laughs> Jesus, how do I get that job? Queen Promiscuous is my favourite. <laughs> yeah, me too. But because they're stories. Yeah, too, sure, sure. Other reason. I read In- the magazine for the stories. <laughs> for the articles. <laughs> The Norn Technarch casts a vote for the Norn, the Technarch declared loudly. We, the Vale, as we have since our independence was recognised, vote for those that assisted us in our hour of need. Elder Talus gave a nod. We vote for the Union. A uh, totally surprising and rip-roaring turn of events, promiscuous side. Let's put this dying dog down and get back to our lives, shall we? The Union abstain from the vote, Jiren Greywood said. Staring Etty in the eye as he did so. Etty's Etty's face dropped, and she felt as if the ground beneath her feet had been snatched away. A vote for each of the three ruling classes would mean a deadlock, ultimately a civil war. No, you, you, you can't. Why? We feel that now is the time for future discussion surrounding the ownership of Breakthrone and the Aleman ruling party, Jiren announced. Turn the destroyer around! Queen Promiscua gave the order to her captain. We go to war. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, whatever. The technarch simply turned his signal off. He would be sending a fleet to Alima, but with but a thought. Both the Norn and Vela ended their transmissions. What have you done? What have you... Oh, sorry. What have you done, Jiren? Elder Talis stood, incensed, his grey moustache and beard twitching with fury. You bring centuries of war right back to our doorsteps. The old man was hit with a blast from a laser pistol held by Umbra Greywood. Shut your babbling, you old turd. You've, you've killed us all, Etty said, nauseousness rising in her as Raph came to her side. That was kind of the point, my friend. Jiren flicked a switch in a small compartment on his belt that Etty had always assumed was there was where he had kept his old man boner pills. <laughs> <laughs> Their two faces became younger. The wrinkles vanishing, the yellowishness of their gross oldie faces becoming a more healthy pink. <laughs> Etty looked at Raph, who shrugged. Uh, are we supposed to know who you two are? Because I feel like that was supposed to be some sort of dramatic reveal, and I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> you, uh, you wouldn't know us. We've been here for a long time, the woman said. Scientists posing as various figures <gasps> in order to gain power. Yep. It finally linked! Yeah. <laughs> But we've been stuck here waiting to move on. Uh, your timeline is far too resistant, the man said for a sneer. It's really quite admirable, and we'd study it if not for the fact that we simply can't be fucking bothered to. Easier to just force our way out, and now we've found the perfect key to do it. Grow up! The woman shouted into the corner of the room, all traces of age gone from her voice. Get your ass in here, please. Grow up, the disabled attendant to the Pillars of Alima, hobbled out of the dark of the Great Hall, dragging the unconscious frame of Kellen behind him. Raph gritted her teeth at the sight of the betrayal and the abuse of her younger self. Give her to me now. We have business with the girl, the man explained. She's quite special to us and our plans. If you back the Union in the coming war and help us get out of this shithole timeline, we'll keep her safe and you can have her back. Etty stepped forward and bent down to her daughter, watching her breathing, seeing the blood caked around her nose. And what's stopping us from just taking her? Etty drew her sword, prompting Raph to pull Callus from her back and aim it at the Greywoods. 
Etty held a hand to Grop. Come on, Grop. You don't have to be afraid of them anymore. Kellen roused. The light from the great hall's braziers glinted across her face. She opened her eyes and smiled at her mother, who smiled right back at her. Grop took Etty's hand, hobbling for a few steps, then completely Kaiser Sozade and started walking normally. His, <laughs> huh? his spindly frame straightening as he approached Etty. He pulled something oh, no. from behind his back and Raph shouted to Etty to move far too late. Etty was shot through the stomach by a laser pistol which smoked in Grop's hand. Kellen and Raph screamed in unison as their mother fell, the smoke from the blast snaking up and out of her mouth. She landed alongside Kellen, who cradled her and sobbed. Little Kellen finds herself adrift, but now we have the key to rifts. Since we do, since we have means to end, meet our ends, do you want Grop to rouse our friends? Jiren smiled at Grop and nodded. Yes, my boy, it's time, Raph. I mean, Kellen found out the ramifications of trying to change the courses of history. Raph pulled Kellen away from the body of their mother as Grop spoke into a communicator. Raph handed Doomcock to Kellen, the tears still flowing down her face. She took the hammer and joined it, looked at it in confusion. We're leaving now. If they come for you, swing like Epstein from a jail cell. But you know, purposefully... (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Fucking wowee again. (laughs) But, you know, purposefully. Wait, you wouldn't know that reference. Swing hard is what I'm saying. <laughs> Kellen nodded as Raph pointed her rifle at the now older looking Greywoods. You'll let us go, or you will die. Grop! The woman held a hand out, and Grop threw the pistol to her and retreated to the shadows. As soon as she caught it, she shot the man in the leg, then sat with him as he yelled in agony. Wrath! What have you done? A voice came from behind them, and as they turned, the trap was complete. The other pillars of Alima, the wheel, the ward, the writ, the way and the watch, stood behind her, weapons in hand. The wraith was still off-world and the word was still missing, but all her other allies stood behind her, staring in horror. The wheel tutted. I knew she would stray from the path the gods laid out for us. She has always been blasphemous and willful. The way stepped forward, as a science leader he wanted evidence before they would act. Wrath, tell us this isn't what it looks like. Before Raph could speak, Umbra Greywood screamed. She shot General Amre and my husband. She meant to kill us and take the Lady Kellen. A look down told Raph that Kellen was hearing none of this. She was as reliable a witness as the mannequin from the film The Mannequin before she turned into Kim Cattrall. <laughs> this dude needs to watch The Mannequin. This guy fucking loves The Mannequin, man. <laughs> Raph felt the sweat drip, sweat drip down the inside of her helm as the pillars surrounded her. N- no, that's that's not true. It was two shots that were so deftly fired from Raph's own rifle in righteous ire. She means to use the throne for ill, or poor Kellen's blood she sure will spill. Grop came from the shadows again, hunched over, the play acting enough to convince the other pillars. Just because he's rhyming doesn't mean he's telling the truth, guys. I don't know. He sounds... It's, the words are <laughs> sounds, rhyming. Sounds genuine. It sounds, it sounds like the truth to me. <laughs> it's lies, she gritted her teeth. Not when she was so close to fight, figuring it out. She couldn't be taken down now. Then you can come with us to figure this all out. The writ, the calmest of them all, the lawmaker, put out a hand of friendship. You know we can't let you walk away. 
The others clutched their weapons tightly, ready for her next words. Raph felt Kellen's weight shift, her body tense up. Her emotion was getting the better of her at the sight of her mother. All Raph could do was to use it. You'll... You'll look after Kellen, though, Raph asked. The watch nodded, lowering his head to get Raph's attention. She'll be safe, with Minister Greywood. Who else is more trustworthy than family? Over my dead body, Raph sneered. They killed her mother, your general. She'd be better off with her siblings. Raph squeezed Kellen's hand and hoped that the message had gotten through. Enough, said the wheel. She had always hated Raph. At least this time she had a reason to be an A-grade twat. (laughs) Take her. Then Kellen screamed in fury and Raph felt the room turn cold and the floor fall out from under her as a rift opened below them as the pillars advanced. They fell down, but then as they cleared the rift fell sideways onto the dirty streets of the Festival of Thanks, right at the feet of Asher. What the hell are you doing here? She said in shock. Oryx Hallgrim and the still ball gown wearing Humey behind her. <laughs> Wrong siblings, Rook. Raph held Kellen's face in hers and pulled her helm off, putting their foreheads together. But, well done. We're going to make those bastards pay, you understand that? Kellen nodded. Where, where are we going to go? Raph looked around at the crowd of people that hadn't noticed the, even noticed the chaos. We'll get Rin and Targus, and then it's time for you guys to go. Oryx cleared his throat and Raph turned. Um, I think we have more immediate concerns. An army of roboticops were marching towards them, the crowd running from the brandished weaponry. Humey put up his fists, Marquis of Queensbury style. <laughs> Come and get them, boys. Robots, let me at those affronts to humanity. I will teach them a thing or two or about biology trumping, temporary network outage, please consult manufacturer. Sorry, what was I saying? You tried. Get to, cover in the, <laughs> get to cover in that sex droid shop. I'll see if I can override their program. Hopefully <laughs> they've got... connecting, some... <laughs> baby. Yep. Hopefully they've got some sort of hive mind, Holgrim said, pulling wires from his wrist. Why would you assume that? Asher uh, shouted after him. This is what happens in all lazy writing when a band of heroes fights an army. You take out the main thing and the others just stop working. And then, and this story is like 12 pages all read. An, ex- an explosion rocked the gr- ground in front of Holgrim <laughs> as an RPG hit the street, blowing him backwards and through the window of the metal mammary mart. Oryx shouted after him, he and Asher bounding through the storefront. Raph picked up Kellen and nodded to Humi. Come on, Princess Trashcan. <laughs> <laughs> Florgo cleared his throat and everyone turned to him with narrowed eyes. Um, I have an idea. Yes, we're back to the first part now. You remember the, okay, s- the, okay. s- the sex bot shop. Look, you guys got to pay attention. This shit is important. Even that stuff about <laughs> I said about your mums. <laughs> about fucking them with my dick. <laughs> yeah. Florgo rushed to the counter and swiftly typed command protocols in. Just, just, just give me one more minute, he said, not really knowing why he trusted these people. Because they looked cool. Because they were trying to exploit, weren't trying to exploit an immigrant. Ease of narrative. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, kid. Raph was looking out the broken glass of the street. They're here. Come out with your gross, pudgy little sausage digits pointing to the inefficient energy source you call the sun so that we may summarily execute you with force. Roboticop officer P1GG13 
<laughs> Piggy! <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> Shouted through his hand that he had transformed into a bullhorn. He turned to his fellow officer, <laughs> F85C15T. Do, do you want me to read that one again? F, yeah, yeah. F85C15T. Fascist. Fa- fascist. 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 <laughs> Got it. Got it. The five was throwing me, but it's <laughs> Got it. That should get them to surrender. If I know filthy humans, they will logically see that they cannot win and just march out to face their deaths. Yep. That's what we that, do. <laughs> that is a trash can. I am over here, said fascist from his other side. <laughs> <laughs> there was a low hubbub that came from the inside of the Triple M a set of voices speaking all over, over each other. Piggy turned to speak to the army of Roboticops that was probably a disproportionate response, but hey, that's how cops roll. True. <laughs> Get ready, bots, he shouted, prompting all the robots to raise their disruptor pistols. Again, he was satisfied. He had only asked for them to get ready, but their desire to kill indiscriminately fit with being a law enforcement officer. <laughs> Suddenly, bonuses all around. A cab, fuck the police. <laughs> Suddenly, bodies started pouring out of the building, much faster than they could efficiently gun down without any probability or cause. Over the din of gunfire, Piggy could hear a chanting: "Come up and see me sometime. Come up and see me sometime. Come up and see me sometime." He ordered his team to stop firing, and when the smoke settled, he saw the most amazing sight he had ever seen. In all their naked glory, robots coming to embrace them. As a police officer since creation, he had had very little to know. Uh, he had he had had little to know uh, sexual encounters, as his robo penis was small and flaccid, and any relationship he had had ended with the, when the fembot had not taken kindly to domestic abuse and or having someone think for them. <laughs> as, he, as he opened this is a his arms, great ACAB episode. <laughs> All cops are bots. <laughs> as he opened his arms to embrace a fembot, he cried, realizing this was the happiest he'd ever been, and he had planted evidence on no less than two hundred teens that were not Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> he was so happy he didn't even hear the self-destruct beeping of a hundred marching fembots. <laughs> Outstanding job, new friend, said Oryx as an explosion sounded far behind them. He was carrying Florgo on his back to save time. The others running running alongside him as the city was racked with explosions in the distance, news of the civil war already reaching the various factions. The, uh, The owner of the shop used to do shady business out of the secret back entrance, but I knew it was there, Florgo said proudly. Sadly, secret back entrance could have been good name for his new sex business, Asher smirked. <laughs> but he is dead now. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, we need to get to the spaceport, Raph, before we have anything else on our... Hallgrim turned into the main concourse and his voice faded to a whimper as he looked skyward. Before them, descending into lower orbit, was a Velatean assault ship, which hovered over them and trained its weapons on the group. As Raph turned with Kellen in her arms, she came face to face with four Norn tanks that were rolling down the street towards her. This was it. They were done. With Kellen almost comatose in her arms from opening the previous rift, they had no escape. Surrender Lady Amory to us now, a voice announced from the lead tank. 
No chance, Norn. Amre is ours, the assault ship announced. Raf put Kellen on her feet and shook her. Kellen, you've got to wake up, or all these people are going to die. You might not know this, but these idiots are going to be your family one day, and if you don't save them now, you can't do the things you'll need to save Asher, to save Dad, and now to save Mum. They'll all die, and it'll all be our fault. You might think you can't do it, kid, but I know you can, because I believe in you more than anyone else ever will. I know your capabilities. She shook Kellen again, but the kid was floppy and unresponsive. Rook! Raf shouted, and Kellen woke up. Yeah, I fucking heard you, you nag, Kellen said woozily. <laughs> wait, wait. You didn't kill Dad? Raf shook her head with a smile. What do you need me to do, said Kellen, bolstered by the news. Rift. Get them out of here, Raf smiled, the tanks and ships getting closer around them. What about Rin and Targus? What about the civilians, Kellen said, wobbling as she stood. The war will kill them all. We can't leave them. We're not leaving. You are. I'm going to stay and look after them until you can figure out how to stop this. She took a folded piece of paper from her pocket and pushed it into Kellen's. These are dates. I would have told you all about them, but I've run out of time now. You're going to have to muddle through like I did, but you have to go now. Kellen stood, and with every ounce of energy she had, she pulled the air around her apart. It tore in a hot vent of molten heat that singed the hair on her arms. When the rift was open, Asher took a last look at her older sister and nodded. I'll look after her, I promise, Asher said before she pushed Kellen through the rift. Oryx, Holgrim and Humey followed her with looks at Raph. Florgo didn't get to say if he wanted to go or not, as he was on Oryx's back. <laughs> Fucking he wanted, master blaster over He here. wanted adventure, he's got it. Uh, Asher followed them with one last sorrowful look back at Raf. She'll be the one looking after you, Raf said, as the rotary laser barrel and tank guns tore Raf to shreds. Damn. End. God damn! Jesus fucking Christ. God, I don't even know where to start with this one, Rich. <laughs> Florgo is real? <laughs> That's how you started the, the episode. I'm back. Florgo is real? Uh, I was getting annoyed by people saying that I'd forgotten a character, so I just thought I'd put one over on them. God, nice. God damn. This is what happens when you mock me. Dude. You create a new um, lovable character to listen to yep. in the podcast. Yeah. This is, like, better than Blade Runner. Raph's <laughs> uh, gone there now. Did you guys watch now. Predestination yet? No. Is it good? Watch it. No. Yes, I'm, this is your homework assignment to watch it. Mm. <laughs> hey, you're gonna thank me. He never it's watches anything you recommend, right? Pluto. <laughs> Pluto doesn't. Pl- you can't just watch a show on Pluto. You could like start in the middle well, of it. Like. Yeah, no, you can re- you can start it over. Can't you? No, you can yeah. start the episode over. You can't start like the show over. Mm, I'm looking right now. Okay. Anyway, that was a fucking excellent story, Ridge. Great. I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. I I was absolutely fucking aghast and flabbergasted. All the ghasts. Flabbergasted. All of them. <laughs> There's a Pluto on demand. It's right here. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I've never used it for anything. Well, you, you, I'm watching the movie right now. <laughs> 
Seem, seems counterproductive okay. to what we're trying to do, but sure. <laughs> That's not what anyway. the podcast is about, but all right. <laughs> I'm watching the movie right now. Something will uh, come up where I can't watch it, but um, yeah, it's, the, that's yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm I don't know where this is going. I don't think I ever did, but I especially yeah. don't know where it's going now. Oh, good. I thought I had an idea, but then you threw a monkey wrench into that, and I was like, well, I'm dumb. The uh, the really great thing about doing a time travel thing, uh, where you meet your future self, is that until they separate. Nothing really matters, right? That's no. right. Wait, yes. You gotta watch the movie. You gotta watch the movie, man. I saw Looper. You, it's better than Looper. Now, Looper has its problems. Yeah, it does. It does. It's the main one is Joseph Gordon-Levitt pretending yeah, to be yeah, Bruce yeah with Willis. the terrible Bruce Willis makeup. His and you're like nose what. No one has ever done this in the history of any movie about a young version and an old version of a guy. Like, <laughs> you don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he's just got old at some point. Yeah. He just looks like that. They tied themselves in too many knots with uh, trying to explain the rules of time travel. Yeah. That's too what many happened. rules. There's too many rules. They really should have left it at when Bruce Willis says, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's not yeah. the point. Yeah. That's the point, yeah. Anyway, it's an RA movie. What's the name of this movie you want us to watch? Predestination. Predestination. Has it got Ethan Hawke in it? Yes, it's, yeah. got a, it's a Heinlein novel. Yeah. I need to keep a fucking... I'll, I'll add a notepad note of everything everyone tells me to watch. It's <laughs> like the 50th time I've told you to watch this, so you probably should write it 50 times down on your notepad. I mean, he this still hasn't not making me want to watch this. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Well, it's like way shorter than that than that show. So, there's that. Yeah, that's a plus. That is a plus. <laughs> I feel like I've never been uh, recommended it as in, hey Jeff, you should check this out. It's why aren't you watching this? That's you gotta <laughs> put it through your redhead filter. That is how I speak. Yeah, I don't understand it's, words. It's <laughs> urgent. We gotta go. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, I recommend Midnight Mass if you haven't watched it already. It's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, I've already seen it. It's really good. It's really great. I don't want to watch it. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> oh, That's my brown hairness. Yeah, yeah, just complete I don't give a indifference. Shit, it's whatever. <laughs> did, you watch, did you guys watch uh, Blue Eyed Samurai yet? Oh my god. Is I watched the, the first one. Yeah, that's so the good. short story. It is. Right? It is really fucking good. It's See, fucking I followed great. your recommendation for that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you would just listen to me all the time, I would have you as my little listener boy, and I'd give you a gold star. This does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make you fucking uh, Chef Boyardee raviolis, and I'll bring <gasps> you your blanket. <gasps> <laughs> Uh, Rich, I fucking loved your story. Oh, no. It's, it's always great. I'm glad you like it. How many pages was that one? 14. I went absolutely fucking town. Uh, is, I that's wrote... not the record, is it? No, 16 is the record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't... Like, and some of it was... 
like it got very dialogue heavy and very description light at the end because I was trying to build up some pace, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. if it had have been, it, I could have easily made that story twenty pages. It was so long. Uh, well, the just... fact that you made it fourteen instead is actually pretty damn impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, for anyone who doesn't know, who isn't one of the two people I'm talking to right now. Uh, <laughs> I finished this story 30 seconds before... Well, we were talking on Skype while I was finishing the story. It's the closest I've ever come to not having a story ready. I think it was five minutes before we started the call. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty touch and go for a little while. Uh, I was writing while I had some dinner and then uh, while Evan and Rachel played Pears, that that memory matching game... I was trying to write while everyone was saying, I'm sure it, this one is a bus, and getting it wrong every time. Uh, it's not a bus, Evan. <laughs> it's a rabbit. Just throwing your own son under the bus. He, on the yeah. he, he just oh, turns over the same cards all the time and expects them to be different ones. I mean, is, the... is Pez just the memory game? Yeah. yeah, we just call it memory yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. And you got to make Pez. So. Yeah, you yeah. call it. We call it the Mario Three card game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mario yeah, 3, that one. Yeah. That one. <laughs> so yeah, now that, that they'll be off planet, or you know, man, sometime in time, on and space. I hope they go to like Earth in like LA, nineteen eighty four, <laughs> like in Beastmaster Two. <laughs> A classic. Turn up on the set of Beastmaster 2. Have you guys watched Beastmaster 2? You should really watch it. It's on Pluto. If you really want to watch it and get the ultimate experience, you should go to the M-Class Podcast Patreon, where you can get our commentary track. Yeah, dude. We fucking... We so many important facts in that movie. <laughs> I think it was literally just us laughing at how bad it was for like I forgot 90 how, minutes. Yeah. I forgot how bad that movie was. <laughs> yeah, but there's bad good, isn't there? It was fun. They go to the, her house and it's like just like straight up, not even like lit like a set. It's just like somebody's fucking house that they got. <laughs> it's grandma's house that let them yeah. do their movie. Are you doing your yeah. big movie today? <laughs> you, you, you and your movie friends need any tea? I'll stay in the back room. <laughs> I'm watching Oprah, but before she was French and famous, when she used to have, like, alien people on. <laughs> Whoa. Oprah used to be cool? Oprah did used to be cool. She had the Ninja Turtles on. I do, I do remember seeing that. <laughs> I, we'd never They're got real. Oprah over here. Yeah, We got well, Ricky Lake. So Why? Uh, Ricky, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Between don't know. Oprah and Ricky Lake, how did you get Ricky Lake? I don't know. We had Jerry Springer and Ricky Lake. And Sally Jesse Raphael. I remember her. Mm-hmm. Do you have mm-hmm. Maury? No, I don't think so. Oh, you missed out on Maury. Maury mm. was great. Maury is the paternity chest show. That's yeah. all it is. Uh, Montel was good too. He got he got weird in the end too. He would have just like weird shit on. It must get it must like, get tiring to do that straight all the time. Montel right? Montel yeah. was the one who pretended like he gave a shit. He would be yeah. like, we, we really have to help these kids today. Anyway, here's childhood prostitution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so... <laughs> let's close the book. Yeah.
on this week's episode. Child prostitution is where I draw the line. I think we have to stop the episode there. Uh, <laughs> we can edit that out. It's a prompt. It's a prompt for next week. It's not a prompt for next week. No! Jesus. <laughs> this show's really gone downhill. <laughs> um, so, we need to bring out the prompt all sea ball. <laughs> The first one is Cowboys by Jacob Fuck Corporal Hicks. I'm bringing back middle. I'm bringing back uh, names. Say the name again. I yelled in the middle. Jacob Corporal Hicks. Okay. The best corporal from Aliens. And then the second one, please, (laughs) is uh, Fungus. By Jake Neo Anderson. Uh, so cowboys and fungus. That that's. What the fuck have you people done to us? <laughs> At least we didn't write about like funguses in this episode. I guess Unless it's true. Did. I don't remember. Yeah, true. TK was uh, secretly wearing a cowboy hat the whole time, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. <laughs> Yeehaw. Uh, right, before we go, some housekeeping. We want to say a big thanks to Vidizen, who uh, does the theme tune to our podcast. That is great. He changes it every season. Every season. We've only done two seasons. But every season so, so far. So far, baby. He changes every it. Season. Um, every season. Every <laughs> season. Vidizen is a genius. If you want to go and find out more about his work, you can go to vidizen.card.co. That's card with two R's. Um, if you want to find out anything about our show... You can go to storylords.card.co. Um, anything is probably a bit too much. That's, I'm promising. I'm writing checks. My ass can't cash there. But um, I'll tell you anything. I don't care. I have no shame. You can find out certain things about our podcast at uh, storylords.card.co. Anything. Watch Predestination. There's a free one. Dick uh, size, anal <laughs> circumference. Anything. They're weirdly the same for some of us. <laughs> There's definitely a correlation between us, is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Human story lordipede. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you might be sitting at home or in your car or at work or any of the places you sit. And you on might the toilet. Be on the toilet, yes, of course, where we where we get most of our listeners. Um, and you might be thinking, how can I help this amazingly funny podcast that, you know, enlightens my life, you know, makes me think the world is a better place for two hours um, when really it's a gaping hole. Um <laughs> Sometimes it talks about fungus. Sometimes it talks about cowboys. What? I mean, you don't know. You don't know what's going to come up. You, you want to inflict upon us <laughs> fungus and cowboys? Tell them how to do it, Rich. You can go to uh, Patreon.com/storylords, and for as little as five dollars a month, you can suggest prompts to us that are maybe better than cowboys and fungus. Who knows? I don't you know can... how they could. It's <laughs> you... a tall order, but yeah. You can join our super cool Discord where they've started playing a Space Kings version of some of our stories set in our universe. Uh, they yeah, they played our... the first one the other day. They did the they did. Omniverse. They did? It's their first setting. I have no nice. idea what they did. They've not kept me informed, and they don't have to. I just like it's just happening in the story, and that's good. 
if you can join us at, on that super cool discord you've got uh they're setting up a wiki for the show they're doing it all themselves <gasps> so if you want to which josh is so happy about because it means he doesn't have to write copious amounts of notes anymore um, i love wikis what else can and there's you also do? a writing club that people there are is. really really getting a lot out of and you'll also yeah they, they meet every weekend uh and talk about stories that they have created with prompts that they've auto-generated. Sometimes they stick to our prompts, sometimes they auto-generate their own. Um, but also, you get access to all the um, fan art uh, that people do, all the music that Curicle does, which is just so great. Every time he puts something up, I'm just like, this is just amazing. It's like a little uh, Vidison Junior. I don't... I hope that's not patronising. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, yeah... So it's like having a, a second vidison for our podcast, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> for $10, you get access to Redesign by Committee, which is our side podcast where we take an IP and make it better, basically. I'm not going to lie. We make it better all the time. Yeah, you're welcome, society. Uh, yeah, we go in with no budget, no constraints, and somehow we make it better. I don't know no, how, but we no. do. No. <laughs> No uh, pre-planning either for most of it. Yeah, no. We have an idea that we bring to the table and then we amalgamate three ideas into one and it's always better. Do it. And then for $20, you get all that stuff. You get the PDF of our upcoming book and create a credit in the book itself. It's just it's just so so worth it, guys. Value. Five dollars a month. Five dollars a month is what you would pay on a cup of coffee or you know uh, some sweets. <laughs> I don't know what you're spending your what five dollars on, hell? but you've got to spend it on us. <laughs> there you sweets. go. Sweets. Candy. If you're an American person, okay. I was going to say pick a mix. Do you guys have that? Where you can go into stores, you, you get a bag, and there's lots of different yeah, types yeah. of Oh, sweets. yeah, like a candy store that you like pick what you want. Yeah, yeah we bags. have those. Yeah. They're yeah. in the we mall. Call, we call it pick yep, a mix. And we have it at the cinema as well. Sorry, the movie theatre. At the cinema? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do sir. love the way Rich says cinema. I, cinema every time he says say it, it, I'm like, oh, I'm so cute. <laughs> cinema. <laughs> Uh, for twenty five dollars, I'll just say some random words in my cute British accent for you. Uh, anyway, hold up, hold no- up! I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm taint mapling. <laughs> ah, my maple syrup. If you if yours is the consistency of maple syrup, I would go see a doctor. Just as a. It's the color, but it's not the consistency. Uh, the color. <laughs> is that bad? Uh, if you want to, I'm, no, I'm not judging. I'm not. <laughs> there are there are other ways to help the show as well. You could go to iTunes and leave a review, or a review on any of the other podcast uh, listening services that are, enable you to leave a review. It would be great. It helps our uh, get us visible. Um, it helps with like just reviews. Keep us at a five star. Don't leave. Don't be a dick and leave a terrible review. No, you um, can't tell them that. <laughs> you can't tell them that. All it's right. illegal. Okay, all right. Don't be a dick and not not leave a terrible review. Don't he's don't he's don't it. be a dick and not leave a review. That's yeah, that's it. all right. Okay, we can do that. That's the one. If you want to leave a terrible review, you can leave a terrible review. Okay, all right, fine. We just won't love you. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> 
pretty sure you can't say that either. But all right, oh, he can say it. I can say it. I'm in a different. I'm in a different jurisdiction. I've got diplomatic he's, immunity. He's got he's a fucking <laughs> lethal weapon too. My favorite part about our iTunes Apple profile is it still has the Bros Before Pros logo as yep. the icon. They don't change yep. it. Uh, two they years they later, after it. I changed it. Yep, because they're <laughs> they're like we don't know dicks. how it works. We can't fix it. It's stuck. <laughs> you know what else would be good if um, uh, if you enjoy redesign by committee or any of the stuff like that that we do. Uh, leave some comments on the Patreon if you've when you see something pop up because we get a few likes, but we know we know you've already listened to the stories. But if you read them and you get a kick out of them, um, then just leave some comments. That'd be nice. It'd be nice to read some nice reviews of our work. Uh, we crave validation in this yes. terrible hellhole of a life. I Indeed. was abandoned as a child, so please love me. Yeah, I was raised by wolves, so. <laughs> I need all the human love I can get. Um, Stick of that wolf. Also, love, belly huh? rubs. <laughs> Who doesn't love a belly rub? Oh, yeah. uh, so I think that's about it. Do we have anything else that we want to uh, talk about before we close up shop? Predestination. It's on Pluto. <laughs> Josh was in this movie. He needs your support. Put, he gets the residual. Yeah, put it on and watch it. Just he hasn't been on the channel, the the predestination channel on Pluto. They have let it, it play. They, they will by the time I'm done with it. They will. <laughs> he he hasn't been uh, pimping this film for a little while because of the SAG after strike. But yeah. uh, now that's settled, he's allowed to. Josh Josh did use his stage name of Ethan Hawk though. Yeah. <laughs> I heard Ethan Hawke is one of those dudes who doesn't bathe. Oh. That wouldn't surprise me. It does look a little bit like that. I heard Ethan Hawke has very sharp claws. (laughs) Talons. Talons, as someone called them. (laughs) I haven't heard much about him. Uh, I've heard that he's Josh now. Yeah. Dude, if I was Ethan Hawke, that'd be sweet. You, you would fly got, around. You would have. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go the real way with it and say you could have had sex with Uma Thurman. Yeah, oh, she's not really my type, but sure. Do you know who's why not? Type she is Quentin Tarantino's. <laughs> well, anyone with two fetuses. Yeah, from type. the ankle yeah, down, she's yeah, his yeah, type. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it, you can also follow us on. Uh, tw- no, I'm not going to do that. You can find us on social media if you want. I to. mean, it's all uh, on the website. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. Uh, not the website, social media. If you want to yeah. follow us there, you can follow <laughs> us there. Um, anything else before we go that isn't about predestination? Oh no, then no. <laughs> I'm good. I, all right. I like. I I want to say something, but I won't because it's a spoiler about something that may or may not happen in the near future. What the hell is he talking about? It's predestination. <laughs> it's the movie Predestination, starring Josh Hawk. If he say, if he says it, it won't happen. Like predestination. <laughs> uh, I'm really confused. What is he talking about? He'll tell uh, us in about five minutes. I'll tell you guys in about five seconds, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so thank you everyone for listening. Please consider becoming a patron and we'll catch you in two weeks for Cowboys and Fungus. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! That's the fungus talking, though. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.